This episode of PC Perspective is brought to you by Simple Contacts, an easy and convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription or reorder your contacts from anywhere within minutes. Get $30 off your first Simple Contacts order by visiting simplecontacts.com slash PCPer and entering promo code PCPer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective podcast. This is episode 496 being recorded on April 18th, 2018, the day after tax day. I'm Ryan Shroud. No, that's wrong. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom, and your tax day got extended because yeah. your servers went, what? Tax day's today. Mm. Yeah, and I'm Josh Walroth, and I corrected, well, only Ryan, which is <laughs> normal. And I'm Alan Mamantano. I paid my taxes a day early. Is that what you're telling me? I had, I wanted to pay my taxes well, I, and then couldn't I, because I their website mine, was down. I paid mine the old-fashioned way by sending in a check. Oh, well, then you're fine. Did you write it in your own blood? Oh, yeah. I wrote it in somebody else's blood. They, they, they just withdraw the blood. You know, mm. it's an automatic thing. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. I want everybody to know that we've got seven, eight. No, we've only got four episodes until 500. So somebody better come up with a good idea. Nah. Well, oh, before get that. You know, what we need is we need a 500th episode anniversary shirt. The one before that, Josh needs to do the mm. intro. It's because, the number 500 with a birthday hat on it. You go, done. <laughs> yeah, easy. This is why we don't let Ryan in charge of these things. <laughs> we need to let Josh do the 499 one, though. You oh, know, yeah. He has just, to do the 499 intro. Yeah. yeah just yeah, just yeah, because, yeah, I got it, because I got 499. It. Thank you. Okay. Thank uh, you. Welcome to the show, guys. We do record on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcper.com slash live. Uh, this is our very special episode where we have world exclusive information to share with you about Josh Tech. Uh, and it's yeah, gonna be, buddy. It's going to be amazing. If you want a general reminder about our live streams, you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe right now, and uh, you'll get this page here. Ask for your name, ask for your email address, and we'll send you a uh, an email when we're going to do a live stream. So that can be handy for you. So please do that. We also have our Patreon campaign running. That is at patreon.com slash pcper. This is your way to become a monthly contributor to the website. It'd be for a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you want. We absolutely love everybody who does this. Uh, it goes directly to us. It supports us, allows us to do the cool things that we do, mailbag, etc. Uh, and as always is the case, if you become a new patron during the live stream uh, or increase your patronage during the live stream, I will read out your name on the show, regardless of how obnoxious or funny or dumb it might be. I don't know. One of those things. So again, patreon.com slash pcper. Before we move on, we have two new patrons from Java and the Beanstalk who just pledged $3. Thank you very much, Java. I can't keep up with these new web development tools. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> fill me up, Josh, just pledged $5.45. Ooh. Phil, P-H-I-L. Oh. oh. Me up, M-E-E-Y-U-P hyphen Josh. It's, it's, his, it's their maiden name. Cream of some young guy. Exactly. Yes. It's just what happens. Uh, again, I mentioned the mailbags. These are the, the mailbags uh, where we answer questions. Apparently, I have a link in here for the last week's episode because I the previous weeks. But Josh didn't do this week's. I did this week's. And I don't know who's going to do tomorrow's, but it's probably going to be me because I haven't scheduled anybody else to do it. Uh, but we sit here and sit in, our, in front of our computers and answer your submitted questions for about 20 minutes or so. You can leave them on the YouTube channel, leave them on the comments uh, to the post on PCPer.com as well. All and right. if you watch the entire thing of that, I flamethrow the rest of my office. It's nice. Because it's just, okay, that's a lie. Because you. it looks yeah. exactly the same. 
So uh, now as we get into our merch section, it's time for the big reveal that everybody's been waiting for. The big world exclusive for Josh Tech. We have Josh Tech merchandise. Merchandising. <laughs> Do you Josh want your Tech, own the coffee cup? You want your own Josh Tech coffee cup? It won't be filled with Wyoming whiskey when you get it, probably. I mean, he probably can not. fix that. I forgot to clean this out before I put the yeah. bourbon in it. But it is bourbon. So, you know. It cleans everything. It's an antiseptic, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And um, not only can you get that sweet. Here, move this out of the way. Yeah, I'm that's kind of this in the that's kinda, that's kinda small. Time. You know, need a bigger one. Also, you can get your very own Josh Tech t shirt. World exclusive. Freaking awesome. Josh Tech exclusive information. And to go along with this, the URL is now joshtech.com takes you to this page, the merch page, where you can find a Josh Tech mug, a Josh Tech print, <laughs> and a Josh Tech t-shirt in many colors, multiple colors at the very least. Print. I feel like we're selling used cars. This is great. The mug is fantastic. Uh, this is literally, it's a poster. That it's, you a put, print. it's a canvas print. It's a canvas print that you can put up in, in your... I would proudly have that in my living room. Up Actually, to 16 I might tell me that. Up to 16 by 20. At least it was I was thinking we might have to do a print series so you can have like a mosaic on I'm going to hang wall. Yeah. on my PC It's like the Wookiee Jesus. <laughs> I want uh, the dark gray version. There you go. For you have some a signed reason, copy it of the Wookiee Jesus? Yes. So do I. <laughs> it, it won't let us sell resolution? the biggest size. I said we wanted to sell the biggest size, and they just said no. <laughs> That's so <laughs> hard. Uh, I do appreciate uh, Ken, who set this up, his attention to detail because this is the Josh Tech print. With two T's at the end. That's mm-hmm. clever. And the Josh Tech mug. With two on there. Again, all the proceeds on this go to us, just like the Patreon type stuff. Uh, so if you want, I think everybody needs this in their life. Well, it's pretty oh, funny. Yeah. Listen, earlier today, Ryan bought a t-shirt. I bought a mug. We're into this. You should get into I this. I paid full price for my t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you're Canadian, the uh, mug's cheaper than the print. Oh, <laughs> it's 18 and 25. They must have a place to print mugs in Canada, but not uh, yeah. canvases. Mm. Interesting. Of course, you still have access to the PC per mug, Death Wish Raid, the PC per classic T-shirt. All of that is still there uh, for you. But obviously, you want the Josh Walrus, Josh Tech with the racing wheel <laughs> T-shirt. It does I have, like how they got the, the glasses pretty accurate. It's pretty yeah. good. Yep. It does have a PC per logo on the back of the T-shirt as well. So... Don't worry. You know, if you need, you want the green. I like that green color. That's nice. Yeah, like I, I figured you'd do a British racing green for Josh Tech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah that works. Be prepared hey. to answer questions whenever you wear this T-shirt out. <laughs> is all I can say. All I can say. And then email us the stories that you tell. <laughs> Again, uh, the new URL for the merch store, no longer a bit.ly. It is joshtech.com. J-O-S-H-T-E-K-K.com. <laughs> the solution to do with what to do with Josh Tech was in front of our eyes all this time. The, the entire time. Merchandising. <laughs> Josh so, Tech, uh, the flamethrower. We're totally into now making new t-shirts. If anybody wants, uh, has new designs for us, I think we have we have a Darth Malventano. I don't think it'll be a t-shirt. I, don't I think, think it might a be a mug and a print. I, just, it, uh, I don't think it'll work too well as yeah, a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which image is that? I don't remember which it's, one. It's a though. very complex I image, I, I and it has your face on it, so I don't want to put it on a T-shirt. Oh, oh gee, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Josh gets the adorable freaking walrus. Well, yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to put Darth Malventano on, on a freaking well, T-shirt. Alan, come up with a you know a spirit animal, and we'll, we'll figure this out. <laughs> I don't. I 
Now I feel bad because I'm trying to figure out. I, I, I want to say that it was it was Mark. Uh, I can't find the email. Oh, now. you're looking for the Darth Malventano. Yeah. No. Well, he yeah did both. Actually, he did one for me too, but I don't think that one was a good one either. For I don't remember the ten cents per gig <laughs> shirt. We might we might have to rethink that one too. But anyway, uh, check out the shirts. Buy them if you think they're funny. Buy them if you don't. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's get on to the podcast now. Here's a, here's a trick, guys. It's on the rundown for the twenty seven hundred X. We can't talk about it on the live stream. Mm. So if you're watching this or listening to this after the fact, here we are talking about the latest Ryzen processors. All right, so let's talk about uh, the new Ryzen 2000 series, the Ryzen 7 2700X, Ryzen 5 2600X. Uh, this is, it's been a year now since the first release. A over a year. It's March. Okay, it's been a year and a month <laughs> since the first release of the, of the Ryzen parts. And, um, you know, AMD is in the unfortunate situation where they delivered such an incredible increase in performance, IPC, uh, raising expectation levels, all that, all that kind of thing, that it's 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 literally impossible to do it a second time around. Especially considering that they were very upfront in talking about this being a fairly modest uh, architectural shift, uh, a fairly modest frequency bump. You know, they went from 14 nanometer down to 12 nanometer at Global Foundries. Although there is a debate on what that even means. Right? Is there legitimately a huge difference in that process tech? Josh, what are your thoughts on that before we move on? Is is there is there a real significant movement in that 14 to 12 plus or 12 nanometer, I guess, at, at Glofo? It, well, yes. But I mean, it's not it's not obviously night and day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, you do get, uh, you know, I think the, the primary push of this was efficiency, transistor switching performance, and uh not really optimizing for die size. So I think that overall the the chips are supposedly about the same size as previous, but mm -hmm. through your testing you can see that they are a little bit more power efficient and they do scale a little bit higher. And so you wouldn't get kind of one without the other. And so yeah, they can legitimately call it a 12 nanometer process. They can apply it to other products if if people so desire but it's uh, it's it's uh, it's an evolutionary step rather than something revolutionary or and it's not exactly the same as like TSMC with their 16 nanometer and what they have uh, a 12 nanometer coming up mm -hmm. uh, that there's going to be a significant difference in between their 16 and 12 right um, because their 16 was kind of based on on their previous 20 nanometer work, except they're using FinFets and a little bit different uh, in the front end. Um, but with this, it's more of the old time continual improvement that we used to see from AMD back in the early 2000s before they spun off Global Foundries. Right. This is, a, you know, they've taken a process. They've adjusted uh, parts of it. They've they've done some smaller advanced features in others. And then uh, another big part is, of course, just I think that that AMD went through kind of with a fine tooth comb and they, they optimized their Zen design. Yeah. So it all goes kind of hand in hand to get you this not a significant jump, but it's an appreciable Mo jump. Moderate, I would say. Yeah. Jump. Um from a specification standpoint, what's interesting is, so first of all, I was going to say we talked about this last week, but we didn't because the pre-orders for this part went up on Friday after our podcast last week, right? Friday the 13th. Friday the Usually 13th, of well. course. 
And then, of course, this Friday being 420, right? These are this is a very important. It's a very yeah. important week. It is. Um, the there is no 2800x. There's a 2700x that is now the new flagship part. You know, competing against that 1800x, kind of the 1700x, really. Uh, but then you have the 2600x versus 1600x. Now, what you'll see is the clock speeds are missing on the 1800x and the 1600x. But I have, I did pull those up here. Uh, so what, basically, what you get from the 1800x, the top end part, then to the 2700x top end part, now you get 300 megahertz. The max boost was four gigahertz before; it's now 4.3 gigahertz. Uh, on the 1600x, you go uh, from 4 gigahertz to 4.2 gigahertz, and those are obviously the six-core parts. Um, now, one thing worth noting right here is that the uh, TDP does go up from the 1800x to the 2700x, from 95 watts to 105 watts. So even though you are getting 300 more 300 megahertz of additional frequency and an, uh, 100 megahertz of base clock, it is coming at the expense of a little bit of extra power. Although I think you'll see when you look at our review and other reviews that the that the performance per watt is still better on on these solutions. Um, the big architectural change that you know AMD claims is are these latency improvements, and you can see on the slide here they talk about you know anywhere from eleven to thirty four percent improvements in system DRAM, L one cache, L two cache, L three cache kind of equating to around 3% IPC improvement uh, with all else being equal between the previous architecture and Zen Plus. Uh, I asked many, many times and in many different ways for somebody to explain what they did to enable these cache improvements, latency improvements, and literally nobody had an answer with me for me that was anything other than, uh, well, you know, things Optimizations. Are, things are better, and we took a, took the time to really think about stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, mm -hmm. Regardless, fine, sure, we move on. Uh, I'm sure everybody on the, on the show will remember our ping testing that we did before that allowed us to really dive into and, and um, uh, learn about the Zen architecture previously and how, you know, inter- CCX and intra CCX latencies kind of uh, affected things and performance and all that. And this graph, a uh, little bit complicated to understand, but it's interesting because we obviously we ran that same test on on the new 2700X as well. And here we're comparing it to the 1800X. If you look at just the yellow and the gray lines, those are the ones where we we set both processors at 3.6 gigahertz. They're both running a DDR4 2667. Um, which you'll notice is an interesting thing. If you look here, the green and yellow lines that are even, but the yellow line is what's important, is that the, the inside the CCX latency is actually longer or worse on the new 2700X. Right. For those, that, for those that don't understand what this is, inside the CCX is basically half of the CPU's cores if they're communicating yeah. with each other. <laughs> yeah, the Zen, right? the Zen design is, is built into CCX core complexes. Yep. And there's two um, of them. There's two of them on an mm -hmm. eight-core part. Yep. Uh, and, you know, That's a six-core part has two of them with three cores enabled on yeah. each. And each CCX has its own L3 cache yep. that is shared amongst the cores, right? When you cross from one CCX to the other, even on the same die, you are crossing through Infinity Fabric, mm -hmm. which is their name for the, you know, the, the basically the interconnect between all these components. And so what you notice in that green and yellow here is that Inside the CCX, the latency actually got worse from about 50 nanoseconds to 55 nanoseconds okay. or so. 
But if you look up here and you go across CCX, you'll notice that it got better. So from the gray line to the yellow line, we got about a 10 nanosecond improvement. And then we get about another 10 seconds if you bump up that memory speed from 2667 to 2933, which I point out because these new parts have a 2933 megahertz JDAC spec official support. Right. Right. Whereas the previous gen stopped at 2667. And then we, just, we just know that when you bump up the DRAM frequency that the... CCX communication. DRAM frequency fabric. is related to infinity fabric speed, yeah. and thus you see these improvements. Right. So it's interesting to me that they apparently had to have a trade-off in the architecture, whereas they wanted to improve the cross-CCX communication speed. Mm -hmm. They had to sacrifice the inside CCX communication speed. It seems odd to me because, like, there was all this discussion about the window scheduler and prioritizing and but all we, these things. It was all disproven, and they said that wasn't the case. Where I'm going with that is as far as like that the scheduler would try to keep within a core complex yeah. first and then only really go to the other. Josh Josh and I talked about this. You're, you're saying why sacrifice the inside CCX performance? Right, because you are, you are going to get a benefit. Well, okay, so actually I can kind of see it. If you're a person that always runs in uh, UMA mode, mm -hmm. which is where... You say UMA, but I really think it should pronounce Yuma. But that's Numa, fine. Okay, whatever. It's not Numa. Not Numa. <laughs> what about yes, Ms. perfect. <laughs> huh? What about Ms. Thurman? Yeah, I know. Numa Thurman. Uh, but if you're running it not in Numa <laughs> mode, in other words, uh, it's basically interleaving the DRAM banks yeah, yeah, yeah. across, then basically every RAM, every time you go to hit RAM, you have to go across, uh, you know, across the fabric. Like every time you... Every other time. Well, it's, it's, interleaved. it's interleaved, yeah. yeah. As opposed to, it could potentially be everything was just on that I side think, and I think local. It's, I think it's more simple than that. I think, and Josh and I had this conversation, Josh, correct me on this if, if I'm misrepresenting something you said. Okay. Uh, is that the, the 10 nanosecond advantage you get at the top tier is worth more than the 5 nanoseconds you lose in the bottom tier. Like maybe... There is another threshold of hey, anything under sixty nanoseconds is actually doing what we want it to do. Yeah, I can see that. Right, you're uh, chopping I, off a bigger percentage across the Infinity right. Fabric than you're sacrificing within the yeah. core complex. But, you, but, but Alan's right. You do kind of have to basically say, I, I believe that I'm going to have more applications that are, you know, using threads that are crossing the CCX yeah. more frequently than I am inside the CCX. Right. But, but again, because nobody would answer my questions at AMD, I don't really know the answer here, even though I, you know, supplied them this data a few days ago. Well, there's another significant thing there, which I'm not sure if we have charts to back that up or not. But like, if you're, if you can reduce the fabric latency, fabric related latency, you should also be reducing uh, latency to the DRAM, just in general, right. from sure. any Correct. from any core to the DRAM. Correct. Which is arguably, like, that's kind of important. Maybe about 11% or so, Yeah, he says, like, pointing up at this graph that shows about 11% better. You know, another thing that, that, that we haven't even considered is uh, maybe some small kind of heuristic changes in how um, the front end of, of the CPU actually accesses memory. Maybe in, in your ping, it, it shows a little bit higher, but... Maybe it's it's able to stack up requests a little bit more efficiently efficiently to kind of send out mm. to to request yeah. this memory in L1, L2, L3, and, and main memory. And so maybe with just this ping, it looks like it's longer in the L1, L2, but in reality, you know, maybe it's actually just faster. But we don't again, you like you sure. said, we, we don't know the mechanism. We don't know, we don't know that they're using. 
to do this. Um, other interesting things here, there is, even though we don't have the review finished yet, so the X-Force, we are recording this before the launch, right? So the X-Force 70 chipset, uh, there's nothing new in the chipset itself. Uh, USB 3.1 Gen 2. Oh, is it really? I believe so. Okay. Um, what you do get is motherboards that are, basically AMD learned a lot in the launch of the X370 in terms of power delivery to these processors and how to better you know, work with the motherboard vendors to improve that. And so this gave the motherboard vendors a chance to re-release a new board uh, with improvements in those, in those areas. Uh, support, you know, make sure you have support for the 105 watt TDP, not just the 95 watt TDP. Uh, they add store MI mm -hmm. capability, but again, it's not a chipset specific feature. It was su supported on an X370. They're just kind of including it. Yeah. Uh, at at like the it's like a the licensed or yeah cross licensed or something it's like the software. middle licensed version of yeah. uh, of what the was a fuse drive technology yep. that we had talked about before. Um, we haven't done a whole lot of testing on it yet. Right on it because AMD was was kind of holding on to the the final yeah. version until the very last minute. So yeah. we're going to dive some more into that. There's supposed to be a bunch of changes coming, and so we don't want to yeah. spend a bunch of time testing it and then have to. It also supports you know. NVMe RAID. Yes, this time, which was something that they added to Threadripper that mm -hmm. apparently they added to some X370 boards late in the game. Yeah, it, it seems like it's kind of an option that comes over with the latest Agisa code because there have been a couple uh. of X370 boards. I know one of the Gigabyte boards has NVMe RAID in the latest firmware, which added the newest Agisa code for the Pinnacle Ridge support. Yeah. So the, your mileage may vary on your motherboards. I don't know if you'll make it back to like B series chipsets or anything like that. You might be able to go further back as long as you're not trying to boot from the RAID. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure it would work. Yeah, because that's fine as long as you have the new UEFI. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying like... Supported. If you want to be able to not just boot from it, but also be able to configure the array... Before you do your OS install, as an example, yeah, like that sort of thing, you need something in the BIOS that's there, like some kind of, some sort of GUI to create the array. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops, and like you'd have to have a Windows install there to install everything, and then create the array. Sorry, this plane flying extremely low. Yeah. Um, any quick point on the NVMe RAID stuff from a performance standpoint? Uh, they do because of the way that they do it. Um, they basically have a driver, they call it a bottom driver, that like it replaces the in, the Windows Inbox NVMe driver. Mm -hmm. So it's like a filter driver. It latches on to the NVMe devices, and then it makes them available to basically like a software RAID layer, right? Uh, and as you might imagine, that's kind of a lot of hoops to jump through, like kernel-wise and like driver-wise. Mm -hmm. And so it actually does take a hit on performance. We did some... It takes a hit compared to... Uh, I compared it to Z270 because that's what we had sure. numbers available so it, on. It, it compared to an Intel. Yeah, compared to an Intel RAID, but realize the Intel thing is much more of a packaged. It's part of the chipset. It's all like it's hardware right. support, right? right. Um, Which being part of the chipset is sort of a disadvantage because they're behind, uh, not QPI. What's the DMI? Uh, DMI. DMI. Yes, yeah. that so is they a are bandwidth limited. Whereas this, they're direct CPU lanes. Yes. So, so if you're so the. The short version of it is if you're looking for straight line sequential transfers, then AMD is going to win. Hmm, okay. Right? Because you go more than one NVMe SSD and you've already saturated uh, DMI on Intel if you're trying to do an array, right? right. Uh, so sequential, it's great, even though the latencies take a slight hit, but for sequential latency isn't that important. Hmm. But as soon as you start getting into random access, it's like 30 to 50% longer latency on the AMD side. Mm -hmm. Um and that's only that was using uh, 960 Pro, um, 
which typically does like 60 microsecond latency, and it was going upwards of like 80 and 90 microseconds. Sure. Uh, if you take that in the in like a how much time was added standpoint, if you're a person that wants to use Optane SSDs to have really really low latency, that's adding like more than 2x the latency of the mm. product. Okay. Right, because you're you're basically you're kind of throwing away Optane does like 10 to 12 microseconds. If you add another 30 on top of that, mm. okay, that's really bad, yeah. right? So don't don't use Optane for a raid here. But it's probably okay with uh, something like 960 Pros or 960 Evos. Um, All right, I yeah. think we're gonna do some more on that soon because I, I yeah. would like to see kind of what those technological differences are. I know we've been talking about all this a lot, and we haven't touched anything on benchmarks. One last thing: all of these parts come with stock coolers, which um, I think people might just inherently write off because we've been so used to like the crud that is the Intel stock cooler. AMD's Ryzen parts had really good coolers, yeah. but this time they're actually, every part in the 2000 series comes with a cooler. The 2700X does, mm -hmm. the 2600X, 2700, 2600, they all come with stock coolers. Different ones, like I think only the 2700X comes with the new Wraith Prism. Yeah. Is that right, Ken? This is your biggest, best uh, three-zone LED-enabled cooler. Not this one, right? Yeah, it's that one. Oh, is it this one? That one's yeah. got the RGBs. Yeah. Look at the switch. And it also has kind of the, the different uh, uh, latching mechanism on it as well. Yeah, it has a classic sort of AMD mounting mechanism, which is because, as Joshua would be likely to point out, this was originally an AM3 cooler, essentially. This was the original Wraith. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's been a little bit tweaked. That They tweaked the design nice... to fit more RAM. They had the RGB stuff, but and, essentially and did... is unchanged for the most part. You did yeah. some testing, Canon, and like performance on it was really good. Yeah, like, At, uh, under under sustained load with X two six four encoding, it was two or three degrees off our Corsair H one ten I two hundred forty millimeter all in one water cooler. Wow! At stock mm. frequencies, well, I mean it's pretty stout, right? It's yeah. a copper block, like it's direct you know, contact, direct I mean, we're contact about, heat pipes, copper. Talking about one hundred five watt part and the stock cooler is fantastic. Yeah, and and that really shouldn't be overlooked, right? So this part's three hundred twenty nine dollars, but it comes with a cooler that may save you. I mean. Even best case scenario, what's the what's the cooler 30 bucks, master? Thirty right? bucks, thirty forty right? bucks. Um, and the eighty seven hundred K doesn't come with a cooler, and if it did, you wouldn't want to use it because no. those coolers were no. yeah, bad. If, Unless Intel, Intel, you know, Intel changes coolers. their game up and stuff. Yeah. So that's that's another good advantage. Um, so I, I want to look at a little bit of performance, and I'm just kind of kind of jump around to some some of those highlights here, some of the points that we know uh, we're interested in talking about. This is actually an interesting one. So we look at single threaded performance. Audacity MP3 encode. This is one we've used for a while uh, for straight line, multi or single thread. And you can see here that the A700K is wildly faster. This is a lower is better result um, than the 2600X to the 2700X. This was an interesting one in that uh, late in the game, AMD had worked with um, the the guy who develops the lame plugin for Audacity. Mm -hmm. And apparently it just, it was a 10 year old compile or something like that. Yeah. The version 3.99.3 is from November, 2011, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so long story short, they recompiled it with a more, with a modern compiler, set a flag for like SSE two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was x86 only before it wasn't compiled for x64. And so this is, this is the improvement now. Um, so Intel's is still faster, but the difference drops from like a 30% jump Three percent. So it's like three <laughs> percent. You uh, and those misleading graphs. Yeah, we'll oh, have to, we'll have to change that, that. We'll fix that. Uh, 
But you know, hey, it's the good, only one, Josh. Good on them. I know. For, I'm sorry. Good on AMD for like seeing that, going, oh, that's crappy, and engaging with a dev to to make it. And we know they're not cheating because they still lose. Like if they were cheating, right. they would make themselves win. And and we were talking about this before, like MP3 encoding. Yeah, who cares? I would bet the number of people who use Audacity for podcast editing is significant. It's yeah. it's a huge number. Yeah, it's GarageBand and then probably Audacity, if not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, Handbrake Doesn't that sort of give you the warm and fuzzies of thinking back to uh, Quake Two and the three D now patch that that mm-hmm. Carmack mm-hmm. developed for that. Yes, yeah, it does. Fuzzies, oh. the, the, warm like memories. The general the general performance outlook is that in multi threaded workloads like Handbrake here. Uh, the 2700X is faster than the 8700K. Uh, and the X264 benchmark, the 2700X is faster. Cinebench. The more, the more important thing in the X264 benchmark is the 2700X to 8600K story. And I think it was uh, past two, maybe? It's like 50% faster. The Ryzen part is like 50% faster than the Intel. Uh, 28 to 36? Yeah, because you have an additional six threads to run. Oh, wait. The 2600X here yeah. is 2854 frames per second versus 22. No, sorry, I'm, uh, the other pass. Oh, the one oh, 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 100.51 okay. versus 55.35. 100, 100 versus 55. Yeah. It was such a big difference that I ran that test again today on the 8600K to make sure I didn't screw up right. running the right. test. Yeah. I mean, six cores, six threads versus. Six cores, twelve threads yeah. in a very uh, you know well optimized algorithm that mm-hmm. is is highly threaded, and, and that's one of the it's really common stories here is that the twenty six hundred X and the eighty six hundred K are much more fierce competition than the twenty seven hundred X and the eighty seven hundred K, and I think the twenty six hundred X comes out on top more often than the entire yeah. part, except for really really single threaded workloads, right? Yes, yeah, the highly single threaded stuff is going to be be a change there, so. You know, we look at Blender here. There, there are improvements. Um, the 2700X is faster, 2101 seconds versus 2400 seconds. But again, 2600X versus the A600K, you're looking at like legitimately 1200 seconds of difference. This is a very long render, of course, but that's yeah. what's that, 20 minutes? Yeah. Or something like that, yeah. right? So that's that, those numbers mean a lot more in that case. So, the story for Ryzen stays very stays very similar. Single threaded, it's still behind, mm. right? That didn't go away. It's a little bit better than it was because of the higher clock speeds and and the faster memory. And the faster helps. memory up to twenty nine thirty three out of the box. Um, and but in multi threaded, it actually extends its lead mm-hmm. again. Um, so let's talk about gaming real fast. This is we're gonna look at ten eighty p gaming. The story is improved here, but. I would still I would still put the statement out that the twenty the Ryzen two thousand series is still not as fast as an eighty seven hundred K. It's close. Yeah. It's close. It's getting closer. Here's Ashes, right? Ninety four point seven versus one hundred and three point seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghost Recon Ghost Recon Wildlands one hundred four to one thirteen. I mean that's a reasonably close. You're getting into the negligible now. gap. There yeah, are some games like, that show much higher. Like if you look at GTA right there, which is a very, very CPU heavy game. CPU bound, yeah. Yeah. You you see big differences, but. Yeah. And in that case, like the 8600K is still faster than both of the both of the new Ryzen parts. Yeah. For example, um, but they're not huge margins. Here's Assassin's Creed Origins, 85 versus 93. Yeah. So you're and running. In, you're running like five to 15 percent. Uh, I don't think I ever saw 15%. I would say... GTA was just 15%. And there's a couple of instances where the Ryzen is faster. Yeah. Right? 
Um, let's oh. see. Total Warhammer is not one of them, but... Uh, well, one of the other interesting comparisons to look at is the 2700X versus the 7700K. They're pretty equal, if not the Ryzen part being a bit better okay. in, in some tests. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, here's like 173 versus 175. Yeah. So in, if you think in, of the uh, 7700K as a really good 1080p gaming part, the 2700X is yep. way more on par Sh than the 1800X. Shadow course. of War is one of the ones where it's faster. 114 yeah. versus 111. So not a huge number. Right, right. Negligible within margin of error, but it's there, right? And then there's this instance where you see Forza, where the 8700K has a significant advantage, right? So I, I, would, I would classify 1080p gaming as tied to like... Eight percent slower or so. Yeah. Right. That seems and reasonable. then when you look at Canon did some testing at fourteen forty and four K, that falls off, right? Obviously the the metrics are a lot closer. We've only got the twenty seven hundred X and the eighty seven hundred K here. Uh, and at four K obviously the more you shift towards it being a GPU yeah. bottleneck, the more the CPU doesn't matter yeah. as much. And yeah. the so if you're on a widescreen monitor, if you're playing at twenty four by four twenty five by fourteen, the differences uh don't really matter. We already talked about the the I'll show the, the photo. Show the photo of the cool cooler. Ooh, look at that! Three RGB zones. Ooh, you got yeah. the AMD logo. You got the spinny fan part, and you got the ring. Yeah, nice. I'm spinning. Look at me. We talked I'm about spinning. the performance of it. It is very good. Uh, power consumption. Um, this was an interesting one. It's higher by like not an inconsiderable considerable amount, right? Like it's 20 watts. Higher than the 1800X, which is odd because it's only a 10 watt TDP difference. Of course, TDP doesn't mean power consumption. No, I know, <laughs> but the 2600X is a more significant delta there. Like, yeah, it's like it's 30, 30 something watts difference, uh, and the 2600. You know, if you if you look at the 2700X versus that 8700K, it's using 40 watts more power. Yeah, at the wall. So that's again, that's not insignificant. That's if we're if we're looking at a mobile platform, that'd be a problem. Desktop platform, not yeah. nearly as big a deal. But if you want to talk about architectural efficiency and like design, clearly the Intel one is still more efficient because it it wins in single threaded. It, it you know it wins in gaming, but in multi threaded, I don't know what's the average kind of multi threaded advantage that AMD has. Is it like thirty percent or something like that? Like in Cinebench, uh, it's a it's a little bit smaller than that. I'd say like, like 20. fifteen to twenty. So what mm -hmm. does that turn into in terms of power consumption comparison? It's closer than that, yeah. right? So yeah. Depending on what your workload is, that'll, and, and that'll like, take, take that into consideration. If you have a cooler that can handle it, like the stock coolers in this case, yeah. like... And what's it matter? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Maybe you buy a 50-watt bigger PSU just to have the headroom, but like... I think we've hit still... a wall on our idle power consumption, everybody. I don't know if anybody <laughs> sees that, those blue bars here as we scroll down... Thing. It's going to take 40 We've hit the level lots. of the 1080i's idle power consumption, <laughs> essentially. Maybe. It's maybe close to that. Uh, you did some over, real quick overclocking. We were able to hit, what, 4.3 on all cores? 4.2 locked on all cores, which is interesting because the single core turbo is 4.3, so you're actually losing 100 megahertz there with yeah, single threaded. Yeah, so there's two ways to overclock. In the BIOS, it's all cores right, period. Yeah. Um, if you use At Ryzen, least in our BIOS. I don't know about yeah, other that's ones. True. Uh, we were using the ASUS board. Yeah. Right. RG. Uh, the, if you use Ryzen Master, you can do more. You can say it's single core. I want this to be able to go up to 4.5. But if I'm doing four cores, I want these to go up to 4.2. Mm -hmm. Right. That type of thing. We we didn't have a whole lot of luck with Ryzen Master. It was a little bit unstable. Didn't yeah. seem to apply settings. 
Um, and, and even at locked at the 42X multiplier at 4.2 gigahertz all-core running load, it was getting, I think, if you click on the screenshot, you can see, but I think it was like 87C on the H110. So it, it gets hot quick. There doesn't seem to be a lot of headroom here. 4.2 like, gigahertz. Okay. It seems like they yeah. use the headroom up in kind of slotting out these products into the family. Right. Which isn't a bad thing. Nope. It means more people get more performance without having to mess with anything. Right. But if you're a hardcore overclocker, it doesn't seem like this is going to be yeah, your ideal part. Jeremy's posted stories about six gigahertz or nearly six gigahertz on these parts using LN2. Clearly there is a there is a <laughs> there's a bottleneck here on on our water cooling slash yeah. air cooling. And, and let's be honest, you and I aren't very good at overclocking and no. we didn't spend a whole lot of time with it. No, so obviously look towards other people who are into the overclocking yeah, for thing. Sure. But so let's look at the so pricing. What, oh, go ahead. So, I know you haven't gotten into this yet, but the thing that just strikes me the most is what the original uh, 1800X was released at 499. Yeah, 499. 499. $170 this, cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's I'm impressive, cheaper. right? A year ago, four ninety nine. Now you're getting better performance for three twenty nine. Yeah, it's, it's about ten percent better performance. And guys, this is what X. competition does. Yeah, and you're getting a stock cooler, and you get a cooler with it. I, I do think that's important. And, and for everybody who you know uses a Corsair water cooler or whatever other brand or use custom loop, you don't care about that. But but I bet for like what eighty percent of people, they're gonna love having this in the box. I, I it's a good yeah. good looking. Mm-hmm. It saves you thirty bucks, so it t- mm-hmm. essentially, if you know, if you think about it, you're getting it for two ninety nine instead. Type work, of deal, whatever well. it is. I mean, I, I have fun. an i five seventy five hundred in my computer at home, and I'm using a piece of crap Intel stock cooler still. Like it just, like yeah, yeah. you know. So this this is a it's an it's a really interesting launch. You gave an editor's choice to the twenty six hundred X and a gold award for the twenty seven hundred X. Why the distinction? I think the twenty six hundred X is the sweet spot for a lot of users. Whether you're even even if you're a pure gamer, I think the compromises are a lot less than they were last year with the Ryzen parts compared compared to Intel. Yeah. And comparing the twenty six hundred X to the i five eighty six hundred K, twenty six hundred X is just such better value. You get that multi threaded performance. You get the extra six threads of of multi threaded performance. You get on par gaming. Yeah. And within five to ten percent, maybe yeah. like within definitely very playable standards. And it's it's like. 10 or 20 bucks less expensive. You get a cooler in the box where you don't with the A600K. Yeah. You're going to have cheaper platform options with AMD. My, my takeaway from this, and I'm trying to wrap this up quicker because I, I know we're already <laughs> running over our time, is that it's, it's not a revolutionary step like the first gen was. Uh, but this is, this is, I think, a little bit better than what we have seen from Intel in a couple of previous generations where, you know, they did the TikTok, TikTok thing or TikTok, talk, 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 or it's whatever a waltz it was. now or whatever. Da, 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 um, da, da, da. Are you saying that we haven't seen much improvement since Skylake in, what, 2014? Uh, what, no, I mean, that's not really fair to say. I don't know. I think, I don't think this is necessarily better than those improvements like gen to gen. They're, it's probably pretty comparable. But what I would say is that's good news. Right, is that um, AMD was able to tweak process, tweak architecture just a little bit, get two or three hundred megahertz extra performance out of it. Your price is lower, power consumption is a little bit higher, uh, but overall a better solution for for gamers. They're able to address some of those pain points, raise the memory speed, get those latencies down. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with what they've done. And, and they're working on a pretty decent schedule of, of yearly. So yeah. we were one one year and month away from 
from uh, you know the initial one, and next year we're going to have a new process and a new design. Yep. That we can look forward to. Yep. They've done well on execution. Okay. All right. Well. That's going to wrap up our rising discussion. Let's move on to the next topic. And we're back. Wasn't that a riveting discussion it about was. Ryzen process? It was. I feel like we totally did not pre-record that. Jeremy, where'd you go? Now the <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> so you left more for beer. that thirty minutes. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Okay. There's also a continuity error now because I wasn't wearing my hoodie during that segment. Right. Mm. We talked about this before the podcast. There should I know, be no but I can only errors. no dedication. I could only tape the headphones to one part of. One shirt. Three right. years from now, option. you're going to be explaining to a fan why it is that this happened. I know, I know. So anyway, let's move on to the how, next How are you topic. not too hot in that? It's a little bit uh, I didn't say here. I wasn't. Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, yeah, if you're watching the live stream, I apologize for that. Uh, but if you're watching this or listening to this after the fact, it will all be in there. Reviews go up at 9 a.m. tomorrow on uh, on Thursday morning. So let's talk about some other stuff. We missed this from last week, actually. This is a review that Alan posted of the Western Digital Black NVMe and SanDisk Extreme Pro NVMe one terabyte hard drives, not hard drives, excuse me. I'm not, not I, I, I know, I know we said Western Digital. I said Western Digital. That's just uh, what I know, I'm going with. I know, right? and you said black, which I did? you would normally yeah. think. Yeah. Normally, yeah. hard drives, yeah. Uh, there have been some Western Digital black SSDs. Remember there was the, the black two? Yeah, yeah. Years back, you know, it was like a hybrid. It was a hard drive plus SSD, like kind of sort of built in, right? Well, they also um, already have a black NVMe drive as well. They do. Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> this is the Western Digital WD Black. That's stupid. That is a different product uh, than the Western Digital seems Black reasonable. NVMe. They got Microsoft SSD. working on this with the uh, Xbox, <laughs> Xbox One. Yeah, Xbox, yeah. Xbox, Xbox. That, Xbox, that was Xbox. brought up as a point of confusion, and they yeah. basically were like, "Look, like this is what the black should have been." <laughs> We regret calling the last one the black. Are these so sorry? Are these the same product essentially? They are the exact same product, just with different labels and different channels that they can sell through. There's and all a few that. bytes different in the firmware, and that's the bytes that say the product name. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's basically that's it. Pretty good. Um, so yeah, they're identical products. Um, are, they're are we keeping... allowed to say they're identical products? I, I mean, they told us they're identical all products. Right. So I, like, yeah, I just it's... want to flash the Western Digital firmware to the same disk one. Well, I mean, <laughs> just, it, just would still, it would still just do the exactly. same. Just because. Yeah, I, I guess. Anyway, but uh, the reason they're sticking with this for the moment is because SanDisk has more of a name in like OEM circles. Right. And they're still trying to take advantage of that, even though technically they're the sure. same company and one owns the other. And you know. So what are the specs we're looking at for these identical products? Uh, the specs are pretty ambitious. Uh, you're basically looking at the same kind of specs you'd expect out of something like a 960 Pro, which is okay. like flagship, like not just flagship, but like sort of king of like NVMe Fair. test results, right? Yep. Um, you know, I mean, it's all the. the I did. Um, I did have an issue where they're still Washington Digital's rating the drive. They're doing like the Q. They rated it Q depth 32 eight threads. So if you have eight programs on your computer that are simultaneously requesting 32, 32 things each. at the same time. It's kind of like, no, no, That's come on, guys. Right. We, we kind of need to move away from the crazy IQ depths and the specs. We get our numbers um, higher, Alan. I, I understand. I understand. That's how you get your high numbers. But what really matters, and we'll cover this as we get to go through the review, yep. is like, you know, low Q depths sure. numbers, sure. right? We want, we want good performance without giving the SSD some huge heads up of 255 
instructions into the future, right? Um, uh, I did, it's sort of funny for these drives, but I did do an internals. Uh, <laughs> and by that, I just peeled the labels off. And then and then you can definitely tell that they're... Why'd you invert them? And now I can't go, tell go for to the, sure. Scroll, scroll down. Oh, there. Are you happy? <laughs> okay. Just Got for it. you, I included that next picture. Um, it's the same same damn thing. Okay. Right? Uh, it's Bix3, TLC Flash. Uh, these drives have uh, basically think of them as like uh, 960 Evo style, like an Evo class mm -hmm, driver mm -hmm. that you know does the SLC caching, right? Um, if you scroll down a little more, there's some pretty interesting stuff here, and that is uh, people have to get creative. They're trying to catch up to Samsung, right? And we're talking Samsung products that launched like two years ago, and people still have yet to surpass them. Sure, right? Uh, so you kind of get to get creative and uh, Western Digital and SanDisk have certainly done this here. Um, their controller has these things in it called sequencers. So you're and, saying they, they got perpendicular, right? Uh, no. <laughs> no, oh, I'm sorry. No, there's no, uh, there's no perpendicular style video for Damn sequencers. Um, Someone should vent that. Basically what they are is uh, like p hardware pipelines that are designed to handle They're basically, actually they're, they're ASICs. Okay. So think like Bitcoin mining ASICs and they go with way faster than a CPU can. Mm -hmm. uh, same kind of deal here. Uh, ASICs, uh, there's a there's a set of them on, on the host side. Basically, there's an NVMe ASIC. So you have a, a set of hardware d designed to a specific uh, NVMe revision, like an NVMe spec, right? So it handles all that stuff in hardware uh, and presumably can do that much faster than, uh, you know, a, a controller trying to do it all in firmware or software. Um and then there are things called sequencers, which handle all the data path going from the host all the way across to the flash. Um, there is some help. There is still a, uh, in this case, a triple core. I think it's an ARM CPU in there. Uh, it handles things like flash translation layer. Like there's still a, there's still, that's still a thing. You have to still look up where is the data actually on, sure. on the flash. Um, but but Wait, that are, aside. Are you sure it's not a RISC-V processor? Uh, I don't think they said it was a RISC-V processor. I don't know if okay. they've launched anything of that yet. I don't think so either. Well, yeah, no, they, they, were, they were saying this is this is like an ASIC-style hardware. Um, so the idea is that while the CPU kind of steps in and guides it, guides the process, uh, it's doing it more alongside uh, of, of the pipelines as opposed to being in the center of the pipelines, right? So now you're not waiting specifically for a CPU to be able to know accelerate these um right. accelerate these transactions um <clears throat> and they actually went as far as um uh if you scroll down a little bit more i think i'm not sure where you are on the page yep um they put the error correction engine nope no go back uh they have different uh stages of error correction which this is a common for error correction like mm -hmm. it's you know there's usually uh only a couple of bits or or you know not where they should be, and then it's relatively easy to do that computation. Well, they've have multiple stages, and most of uh, everything this drive could normally need to ever do um, is also in ASIC. Okay. For error correction. Got it. Um, so error correction was one of the issues that uh, remember the uh, Samsung eight forty drives, and they had that weird slowdown issue because they were. 
the drives are kind of like spinning. If you let them sit for too long, the cell vol cell threshold or cell voltages levels will drift slightly, and like drive was like having a hard time doing reads. Remember that whole thing? Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing probably wouldn't happen if you had your error correction hardware accelerated. Okay. Right. Um, anyway, um, and they have a thing called uh, spectrum tiered caching. It's just a creative, uh, you know, it's SLC caching. Got it. Um, you know, they're a little bit, uh, they went into a bunch of detail when they briefed us on it, but it's basically, you know, they're very aggressively empties the cache when the drive is idle. And it also does what's called direct to die writes, which means that once the cache is all the way full, if you're writing to it so quickly that the cache gets full and is not able to empty at the same time without, um, without sort of slowing down the writes at the host level, it kind of just changes gears and goes, okay, I'm going to leave what's in the SLC cache, just leave it there. And I'll do the rest of these writes um, straight to TLC, which it can still do reasonably fast, but obviously not as fast as it could to the cache. And then when the drive is finally out of later, it goes back and it cleans up the cache, you know, so that your next you, so that your next writes are going quicker. Um, so I would say just uh, yeah, we're gonna jump to go to performance focus on like either one of them just briefly, um, and I would just skip all the way down to the cache test just real quick to mention yep. this drive did some weird stuff with caching. Uh, so normally what we expect in these charts is a high speed for a few seconds. So on the left side of that chart and then uh, a drop to a low speed. Um, you know, in other words, uh, direct to die TLC speed. Uh, we didn't see that with these. I don't understand why these drives didn't, they just didn't like the way that we were writing to them. And all we're doing is sequential at QDepth4 writes. Okay. So there's nothing, you know, nothing unique about it. It's just these drives didn't like that for some reason. Maybe they're interesting. Maybe people have started tuning specifically to look for like QDEP32, which is what people would commonly do uh, as a test. But the thing is, the OS almost never does QDEP that high. So, you know, this is maybe the manufacturers are tuning for a very specific case. And, okay. And our test just isn't that case. And if you scroll down one more chart, you'll notice that it did that same exact pattern. Uh, th this is like times. six different iterations of that huh, same kind of a test. And it, basically those red lines dividing that chart is we're waiting, we're giving the drive more and more time to, to idle. Oh, I so see. So, you know, we, we don't normally publish this one, but I always do that as a test anyway to see, try to gauge how long it took the cache to empty. If it okay. took a long time, right? Um, in this case, it's just the same kind of weird pattern um, every single time. So, so for these intervals, how much data are we talking about? I mean, it looks like it's a very, very fast write, but... Well, it's however much data the drive will take, right? Because mm. um, it's, it's, it's a 60-second write to the right. drive, and then we'll stop. In the, in the case of this, we'll stop for three seconds, and then we'll do it again. Then we'll stop for five seconds, do it again. And then at the, towards the end of it, we'll stop for a minute and a half. Which should be more than enough time for pretty much any SSD to empty its SLC cache. Should be. Um, and even in that case, same exact pattern after after the ninety second wait. So the actual weights are increasing over time. Yeah, I do that on purpose. That's just that's what the workload looks like. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the weights are not plotted because there's just nothing going on, right? So I'm basically like time compressing that, and you're just seeing uh, what does that sequential write look like. Got you know, it. six of them in a row, um, all next to each other. Just anyway. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Where uh, am it, I going it, next? It didn't seem to affect anything real world. It didn't seem to ex uh, affect the actual performance 
of the drive. I would go straight to the client key depth. Uh, well, no, go to go to um, sequential and random. I will do so. Okay. Um, oh, maybe go. Sequential writes. Um, these drives beat Samsung. Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. By a lot. Yeah, and that's a 960 Pro 2 terabyte that's dark red. That's a lot lower than the... Like, uh, the, right at 2 gigabytes per second. Yeah, it could Whereas these two. two drives are like 2.6. Yeah, 2.6 to 2.7, yeah. So, right. right out of the gate, just That'll right performance. Yeah. Holy crap. Okay, so, now if you think about it, uh, writing to the Flash is something where those, those sequencers... Um, can accomplish their task without necessarily having to consult the CPU. Right. They just uh, don't have to wait for acknowledge and stuff. It, well, it doesn't have to worry about doing uh, flash translation layer stuff necessarily um, because you're writing to the SLC cache. You're not writing to the bulk media. Okay. Right. Um, all right. Go down to, uh, you know, next chart. Uh, you're going with um, sequential reads. Mm -hmm. Samsung wins here. Um, so these drives are super performant on writes, on reads, not so much, but still competitive, still still reasonably fast. They were beating uh, SSD 750 from Intel as an example, um, doing decent. Uh, burst random writes. Uh, oh, sorry. Next chart. Oh. Uh, once again, uh, wow, kicking Samsung's butt. Yeah. Again, it's closer here, but still, these are faster. Um, and then uh, burst random reads is that chart's kind of hard to read. So. Uh, just go to that next uh, performance comparisons thing. All right. All right. So now, and, we're still uh, the page I care about where it has the dollar signs on it, but keep going. No, no, no. We're not there yet. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So it. focus on the blue bars here initially focused. because focused. those are more important. That's your actual, like the kind of stuff you're going to feel, like mm -hmm. you know your random read performance. Um, they're very competitive. 19,300-ish mm -hmm. uh, for this compared to... Uh, if you look 20. at 20.9 on the Evo, 25K on the Pro. 960 Pro, two terabytes at the very bottom. That's mm -hmm. that's 25,000. But realize the Pro is an MLC drive. But if you compare it to the Evo, that's uh, just under 21,000. So you're comparing 19.3 to 21. Right. Right. Uh, that, you're, you know, it's almost like. Um, it's almost like that other review I can't talk about right now. Correct. Anyway. Um, that was one bullet point ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, 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 get, so, it. you'll get it later. Um, but, if you, but now, go back to that uh, 4K oh, random oh. chart. Look at the random write performance. Mm -hmm. uh, 101,000. It's beating uh, those Evos down uh, there. It's beating the, the Evo. It's beating the Pro. Uh, it beats the 900P. Mm -hmm. It's not on that chart. I, I wrote like, it in okay, the paragraph yeah. and a link to oh, it. Oh, got it, got it. It beats the Optane drives. <laughs> All right. Holy crap. Yeah. Right? Now, granted, this is random write performance, and that's not the thing that consumers are doing most of the time, but uh, at least you don't have to worry about any writes causing any hiccups in your system mm -hmm. because these drives can absorb random writes. Like, it's just insane how, how well that performance is. I wish they could do that with the reads. Um, well, but you know, at the end of the day, it's flash memory and it can only be so quick, right? right. Um, burst sequential. There you go. Those two red bars, sequential writes. It's just, 
walking, walking all over Samsung, even the Samsung Reads a little bit drives. behind. But yep, yeah. reads are a little bit behind. Um, you know, but still, it's it's impressive, especially for writes. Yeah. Um, I guess the take a quick stop at the mixed burst thing because that'll show you. Yeah, go to the next page. All right, all right. that'll show you uh, again how well those writes are, even though for this test they're background writes that the user normally wouldn't care about and notice anything. Um, because the the write speed is only like twenty meg per second average, and all these drives are going well over that. Um, but there was less of a of a of a uh, hit to the read performance during the background write workload mm -hmm. on these two drives, the two new ones, compared to a nine sixty Evo. Mm. Right. So the nine sixty Evo actually, like the gap is even closer now. Right. In the in the read performance compared to a nine sixty Evo because. You know, the Evo has to work a little bit harder because its write speed is slower than these drives. Um, interesting stuff. So, uh, go to the, the your favorite part with the pricing. Dollar signs. Dollar signs. Ten cents a gig. Ten cents a gig. No, 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 no. It's not going to be ten cents a gig. Oh. However, however, okay. uh, under 50 cents a gig yeah. is pretty competitive. Yeah. Um, especially when... In some of the metrics, these drives are beating other SSDs from other manufacturers that are priced higher. Right. And that then those guys price those drives higher because they're banking on people wanting the high performance. Well, these are priced lower with arguably similar performance. Yeah. Like trading blows performance. Yeah. Right. That's impressive. Uh, it's been a long time since we've seen something like that. Yeah. And especially for it to come out of Washington Digital, uh, like what people are used to, a hard drive company. Well, right. they bought SanDisk, as it turned out. They did out. buy SanDisk. You remember they, the first SSD? Uh, the, the Black 2. No, 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 no. Oh. The WD Blue. Yeah. Didn't we get some like, servers with those? I think Ooh. AMD sent us Optron servers. Those I think were, we had like two 512 gig or 256. They were, were J-Micron SSDs. Yeah, but that was when that was like shit tons of flash storage. <laughs> oh, I know. So we used those things yeah, for a true. long yeah. time. Yeah. They I were think as like game drives and stuff yeah. too. Yeah. That controller <laughs> was super stuttery on random access, but it was just a huge chunk of flash. Like just at the time. Yeah. Right? Like it was, you know, among the highest capacity SSDs oh, you can get. Good. Yeah, so uh, I gave these drive editors choice. Uh, realized those prices we were talking about there, those were the MSRPs? Yeah. Um, what are they actually are they actually selling yet? Uh, uh, there's like a dollar less. Mm, oh, I have okay. it. Ooh. Mm, mm. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Same, the Ooh, savings. Well. <laughs> a dollar, eh? More you buy, more you save. The savings. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. Yeah, so very, very surprising. Uh, at our Western Digital. I hope they uh, I hope they keep it up. I hope they can get make that right performance do the same thing that did or the read performance do the same they did with the right performance in the future. Yeah, sure. PFM, let's do it. Uh, yeah, well, the, the rights are PFM, so Hey, magic is magic, guys. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, real quick, I'll just mention, Mori did a review of a motherboard you can't buy in the U.S., but hey, it's got the word lightsaber in it. It's the ECS Z370 lightsaber motherboard. This is Disney's favorite motherboard. <laughs> Somewhere in those traces is hidden a Mickey Mouse here. Officially I was going to say, endorsed. is this supposed to be the Mickey Mouse part right here? No. I don't think so. Also, this doesn't look like a lightsaber in any form to me. I can really dive yeah. through here. But it's lead. Lead on the heat sink. How do you how do you get to use that word? You don't sell it in the US. And oh. you avoid American <laughs> uh, <laughs> patent, you know, or trademark. You avoid uh, the I guess. Yeah. Are you right? 
I mean, it did, it did, it was decent, right? But you know, go check out the review if if you if you live outside the U.S. and something you're interested in buying. I wouldn't. This is not like something I think like, oh man, you should go find your way to eBay and figure out a way to import this motherboard. I mean, it's into just, the just US. it's just a, it's just a motherboard. Hey, it's guess what? Some of our audience doesn't live in the U.S. Yeah, I know. Well, that's true. I know. Hey, look at all those buttons at the bottom, though. It's got a lot of buttons. It's got yeah. buttons. Yeah, pushing your buttons, Maury. Got buttons on the side. Yeah, CMOS battery placement is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Everyone needs a well, big red button. Well, it's kind of under wait, the GPU. Wait, well, yeah. you'd have to have a two and a half slot card for it to be yeah. a problem. Oh, okay. Scro scroll down a little bit. I saw something. Oh, yeah, a a yeah. little bit more. If you see something, say Click something. here to continue reading a review of the ECS Z97 machine motherboard. Oh, <laughs> How long oh, has he been copy pasting Maury, this template. Oh, no. <laughs> Where's the link go? Oh, it probably goes to the Z97 review. No, it goes to the review. Oh, oh, okay. He did update the link, if nothing else. <laughs> All right. Good to know. Poor guy. So, so here's an aside. Cause, okay. Because this has a SPDIF port or a TOSLink port on top of the USB on the second yep, right power there. Right yeah. Yep. So why haven't boards adopted the whole hybrid optical uh, eighth-inch TRS jack that's used a lot on dongles How many people do you know that actually use the optical? <laughs> I do. I mean, they've got oh, room okay, we got one. to put so the full-size one. It has to come with the cable. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't it have just, to come with it. It, it has to come with an, an, the adapter plug thing. It doesn't Which have to. Which is like to. 30 cents. I guess. <laughs> like, there are plenty of, like, all notebooks use that that have optical out use oh, that three. connector, and they don't come with the adapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four, uh, five. All right, you're not alone. There's, there's about a half dozen people <laughs> that do. They're liars, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they have optical drives. All of them. Liars. I do have an optical yeah. drive. Thank you oh, very yeah. much. Of course oh, you have an optical drive. Do you oh, run the cable from your... No, it's what I use to sit my TV on. Do you run the audio cable out of the optical oh, the drive? the PC cable? The... No. I, just no. Had to, I just had to run optical drives this, this week, actually. Optical so, cables. Optical drives. cables. Sorry, yeah, optical drives, yeah. No, definitely didn't do that. What am I an idiot? <laughs> um, yep. Uh, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Intel, uh, this is a Nook. It's not a brand new Nook. And so it's, this is not something that's like better, greater than uh, the Hades Canyon we saw. Well, but it's, it's new. It's just in a different market segment. Okay, sure. It is, it is your standard Nook size Nook. It is yeah. the uh, <clears throat> Nook 7i7DNHE. Okay. The Dawson, Dawson Rolls Creek, off the top. which is very Dawson confusing Canyon. because this has an eighth generation processor. Dawson Canyon. What did I say? I said Creek. You said Sorry. Dawson's Creek. I, I had, I, <laughs> and now I, we've learned something we didn't want to know about Ryan. Before I put this review in the system, I control F to see if I said uh, Dawson's Creek uh, anywhere. That's pretty good. I, <laughs> I think totally I found did it one do that on purpose. That's pretty good. Uh, anyway, uh, Dawson's Canyon. <clears throat> Core i7-8650U, Cabby Lake refresh. So this is a quad-core, hyper-threaded part, Intel UHD graphics, no discrete graphics in here, uh, wireless, 802.11ac, gigabit Ethernet, two HDMI ports, one of them more interesting than the other we'll talk about as well. So so let's get this out of the way. This is a this is a quote-unquote business enterprise nook. This isn't necessarily in their consumer-oriented lineup. Anything Not play that gaming? out in terms uh, of specific? I think the I.O., is like uh, there's there's an interesting thing with the IO which we we'll, we can get to uh, there's like an expansion slot for adding things like serial or USB oh. so these Nook motherboards ha always have a bunch of headers because they get used in different integrations and different casings so you have like an RS two thirty two header on. on the board go, go back up look right at here. The, look at the no, no 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 wait go back up that is cool uh, actually that's awful oh it is compared to the previous Nooks that's not the feet mm -hmm. of the 
so the feet, not thumb screws that open the. Yeah. That, that, that's how all nooks have worked for that's, several yeah, generations. That's how, that's how they've been. However, that's cool. what I'm showing here is the SATA and the SATA power cable, which is that little tiny ribbon connector, which is pretty fragile. Oh. The cables aren't long enough for you to sit both sides side by side, so you have to disconnect it. The previous nooks with hard drives, mm -hmm. cables were long enough where you could just kind of put it off to It'll the side lay it, lay it open. so you could mm -hmm. install your RAM. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is like that little tiny power connector. If you're in this thing if like a couple of times, you might pull that off the board. Like oh. it, it doesn't take a lot of torque is to it a proper SATA power connector, or is it something? No, it's it's like that. You can yeah. see that little weird like five or six pin connector right there. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Plus it was. I had a data connector, but yeah. yeah. So that that was a bit yeah. weird compared to other nooks. Okay. And then there's a serial port. So, so there's like thing. a serial header on the motherboard. There's USB 3 header. There are a bunch of different headers and so they kind of have this expansion system now. Mm. So okay. for enterprises that need specific, like you can get one with three USB ports, I think, on it or serial. Like if you need to integrate this into a specific, like if you mm. need it to be have serial to control some industrial machinery and you just want a standalone thing, you can use it for that. Yeah. But otherwise yeah. it only has four USB ports. Uh, it doesn't have audio out besides HDMI. It doesn't have optical or analog audio mm, out. That's definitely a business mm. thing. Yeah, so it's it's in their business line and isn't quite very consumery. I mean, you could use this. Right. It, like, there's nothing stopping you. So, uh, what about these two HDMI ports I'm looking at? One of them is labeled protected UHD. What is that telling me? So, this is kind of an interesting thing that Intel's done in their UEFI. There are three options. There's just a kind of disabled normal operation, there's a headless mode, and then there's a display emulation mode. And what display emulation mode is, is it always shows having a 1080p monitor connected. So if you're remoting into this thing a lot, you know how sometimes you have issues where if you don't have a display connected to a machine and you try to remote in, mm -hmm. you get like a 640 by 480 display yeah, in it. This fixes that because Windows always or Linux always thinks it has a 1080p display connected. So when you remote Linux? in, it will be full resolution. Oh, if you're doing like a Linux. Okay. Or, or Windows. Like yeah, I've yeah. seen this happen with Windows before. So you don't have to use like the mirror driver that you like in VNC or anything. Yeah, yeah. So if you're using RDP a lot, using VNC a lot, it's kind of an interesting thing for running a headless machine. Interesting. Okay. That's it. I, I, and uh, I think we brought this up recently. What were we talking about? Well, we were talking about like headless machines. Oh, we talked about VNC and the mirror driver. It was Alan's pick. Oh, that's right. One that's yeah. what it was. Week okay. a couple months ago. Was, so this is kind of a hardware fix for that. So yeah. You don't have to worry about something yeah, stuff was, like that. Okay. Right, VNC, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. system performance wise. Uh, ultra VNC. What, yeah. did, oh, this, ultra. what oh. did this look like? Uh, so it, it was. Pretty impressive. This is the first machine we've seen with the 8650U, although I just uh, purchased a Surface Book 2 that has it, so that review will be incoming and be an interesting comparison point. Mm -hmm. However, the XPS 13 pulls away. That new yeah. XPS 13, the 9370, I think they run up at run up around 24, 28 watts at some point yeah. on that U-series part, so they're just getting monstrous performance out of it. Yeah. It does level out in some more sustained tests like Handbrake. Handbrake like takes a, a long time to run, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So this is a, it's a quad core hyper-threaded nook. It's the highest performance nook in this form factor we've ever seen. Yeah. Which is yeah. impressive. Yeah. Interesting. Now these are generally not inexpensive parts. Where, where does this one fall in that range? Uh, I believe this is $599 for the kit, which is also why this is way more business oriented. Because if you look at the Baby Canyon nooks, which is the worst name in the world, uh, you can get, Baby. you can get a seventh gen U-series 
28 watt part with Iris Pro Graphics and Thunderbolt 3 for like three to four hundred dollars for the bare bones kit. Okay. So you're paying a lot more for the extra sort of performance and the business features. Got it. Well, the Baby Canyon's a two core four thread. Yeah, yeah. Right. But so. it's it, they're also 28 watt parts with Iris Graphics. So oh, you okay. are getting a little more it. there okay. over this. Yeah. Yeah. It, Intel, for some reason, hasn't launched. It doesn't really seem like they're going to launch a Kaby Lake Refresh Consumer Nook. I'd love to see one yeah, with Thunderbolt it three. seems more like we're waiting for Coffee Lake. Cannon Lake. You don't think they're going to do Coffee Lake versions of this? No. I don't know. I don't nah. think there's going to be a Coffee Lake U-Series part. I think they'll skip to Cannon Lake. I don't know anything. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Usually, it's interesting because usually we can kind of use like leaked Nook roadmaps yeah. to tell us about the future of what these 15 watt parts are actually going to do, right? So, uh, yeah, check out that review. That's the Dawson Canyon, not Dawson's Creek <laughs> Nook. I was waiting for it. I, I had to look at the review page again <laughs> just to be sure. Uh, also, real quick, I'll mention this if you're interested in the Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus. Uh, Sebastian did a review of that. This is the one of the, the I think this is the first phone we have using the Snapdragon 845, and one of the first ones. I think a Sony one came out before this. Um, really nice phone, impressive specs: six point two inch, uh, 20, 2960 by fourteen forty AMOLED. You know, you got Snapdragon 845 in there, Adreno six thirty, six gigs of RAM, up to two hundred fifty six gigs of storage. It's got the Snapdragon X20 LTE modem that I, what's the X20 do? 1.2 gigabits per second, 802.11 AC, 3,500 milliamp hour battery, Android 8. What's that? That's Oreo, right? Yeah. Um, and the most important part, a headphone jack. It does have a headphone jack. Oh, oh sweet. Yeah. USB Type-C. Uh, again, same form factor that we had seen previously. Um uh, God, these screens are so impressive. He does. Sebastian spends a lot of time on the performance benchmarks. CPU wise, it is behind only the A11 Bionic used in the eight plus and uh, iPhone ten. Shocking, no one. Shocking, no one. Yeah, true. Uh, but in the graphics performance, it is. He says as he scrolls, the GPU performance. It's tying or beating what a, uh, what Apple has been able to do with its with its part as well. So like you know the ES 3.0 nice. Manhattan performance is is a significant step above what the A11 Bionic can do. But if you look at some other tests, some more synthetics, the ALU uh, specific testing, the T Rex ES 2.0 testing has kind of has them neck and neck. So there's some interesting um, dynamics there in the in the graphics side of things. But uh, impressive impressive GPU work on the part for sure usage camera's great i don't think there's any arguing around that now i guess the p20 the huawei p20 might have come away and and, and taken its its crown and whatnot but uh uh that's a good photo yeah yeah it's really white stuff on the ground it's called it's called global warming <laughs> it's called global warming we what had kind of tree is that a dead one dead tree no it's, it's, a, it's a hibernating tree I don't know. Mm. Battery life was good, not great. Apparently, didn't beat the S8 Plus uh, running in 1080p mode, um, which I, I guess kind of makes sense. He just didn't have enough time to run uh, the S9 Plus in the associated... 12-hour uh, uh, plus battery test. It turns out take a lot of time to yeah, run. Yeah, you got to wait for it to charge. <laughs> Sometimes they error out. Yeah, there's a lot of complication there. So check out that review if you're interested in the uh, the S9 Plus from a, from a performance technology standpoint as opposed to... You know, user interface. I, I really like the 845 chip. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, 
it's a nice balance of, of performance and and uh, I mean you know especially sometime you and I will have to compare and contrast uh, that and the uh, the Samsung Exynos and uh, we do you know go on kind of an architectural level on that but uh, I think that uh, those arm guys did some some good stuff though it's interesting that they still can't quite get to that level of Apple but we're talking thermals battery and and just uh, it's a overall equation. Uh, it is. Yeah. Is and it, plus, did you use a five volt uh, DC uh, brushless fan to cool it? No, I left it on away? the air conditioning duct. Oh. <laughs> That's what you do. As one does. As one does. Yes. Does it seem seem weird that there are no other eight forty five phones? Like I think you mentioned, there might be that Sony that's out, but like I can't remember how the cycle normally goes with this. Because they're going into laptops, Ken. I don't know the answer to that. As we'll question, talk about later. I think it's about three months after we yeah. see you know, kind of the flagship Samsung's Samsung. Samsung's usually first. Has yeah. Right. It seems like there's going to be more phones out right now. That. Maybe it's a little early for that. I'd agree, though. Mm. We'll find out soon. All right, let's take a uh, quick break here, everybody. We've got to thank today's podcast sponsor. That's right. It's my new friends at Simple Contacts. This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Simple Contacts, an easy and convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription or reorder your contacts from anywhere within minutes. Get $30 off your first simply Simple Contacts order by visiting simplecontacts.com slash PCPer and enter promo code PCPer. Now, what is Simple Contacts? Obviously, you guys want to know this. This is um, it's one of the more... Interesting applications. I was going to say of the internet, but that's kind of it solves a problem you've been about. Oh for man, so four much, years. so much. Yeah. I, I've complained so much. So I wear contact lenses. I, I, I don't want to say I despise doctors. I despise having to be on a doctor's schedule, making an appointment, going and doing all that stuff. Uh, so I, I dread doing the uh, the renewals. Um, that's why I was actually legitimately excited to try this new sponsor of Simple Contacts. Uh, it's it's an app and it's a website that basically uh, allows me to reorder my lenses, get mm-hmm. a prescription update from the app from the website. Um, Hold that, on, yeah, what? It does. Simple contact. Simple contacts brings the doctor's office to your home. The vision test is designed by doctors, and every test is carefully reviewed by a doctor. So if you, so here's how it works. If you if you have the app, you put the app, you stand it up on a table, and it tells you to you know step back ten feet and do an eye test. Huh. And it records the video of you doing it so that they know whether or not you read the letters. Correctly. Whether or not you covered your eye. Yeah. And you get the camera close to you and it has you look up and all up, down, left, right, and directions looking for redness in your eyes. Oh. It submits all that. And then within 24 hours, you get a response back from a doctor. Because that's really all the doctors are doing pretty, anyway, right? Like, Yeah. In, look, I'm not going to hear denigrate uh, medical professionals, but yeah, kind of. Yeah. A little bit of that. Now, they do say that that's, it's this is not a replacement for you know a more in-depth eye medical right, right, health right, right. exam that they recommend every four years. Right. But, 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 you know, if everything is fine and your vision hasn't even changed, like you're just, yeah. you know, you're just like, I just need more contacts. Simple Contacts offers an amazing selection with every brand of lenses and their prices are hard to beat. The eye exam is just 20 bucks and they offer free shipping. As I said, not a replacement for a periodic full eye health exam. Um, I went through this, right? They basically said, hey, they want to sponsor the podcast. And I, as always do, I want to see the services and test them out. Uh, and I did it. Did, I did mine from the laptop, not through the app, but through the website. Mm-hmm. Where it uses the webcam, turns it on, says step back ten feet, read this, 
uh, did the eye test the on it. Compensating for the size of the screen? What are they? So it's really cool, actually. You hold up a credit card and you drag a square, oh. so it's the exact same size as a credit card, and then it knows what the scale is to adjust on That's your resolution cool. and stuff. Yeah, mm, it's, clever. It's a really interesting thing. Huh. Uh, so I imagine a lot of you guys are out there wearing contacts. Uh, if you want to save thirty dollars on your first Simple Contacts order, go to simplecontacts.com/pcper and enter the code. PC per at checkout. Again, $30 off your first order when you go to simplecontacts.com slash PC per enter promo code PC per at checkout. And we thank them for their support of the PC perspective podcast and making my life a little bit easier for the That's next true. six months. Yeah. I, I work contacts. There you go. You should go to simplecontacts.com slash PC per enter promo code PC per for $30 off your first order. Josh, Josh, where are your contacts? $30. You're wearing contacts right now. Those are just those sure. glasses are just for Think style. Think of it as twenty nine ninety nine. Oh, I see. <laughs> I'm sold. All, All right, right, let's let's move on to some news items. Run through these. Uh, we've if you're listening to this in the recorded version, we've already talked about the Radeon twenty seven or Radeon the Ryzen twenty seven hundred X twenty six hundred X processor review. Asus is planning an ROG Strix X four seventy I Mini ITX board. Look at that thing; it's so tiny. What's that little little thing over the middle of the? I, is it what? just protecting? I, I guess it's just hmm. it's holding the arm down, maybe. Interesting. I don't know. It's a condom. I, but yeah. but it's not really protecting anything because there's no pins there. I'm with you, Josh. Well, I mean, it's I was, not pins, but there's a bunch of little caps and resistors underneath that. You yeah, don't want to get anything in your holes. Oh no, no, no! Don't oh, worry about the holes because you know, like, can you bend a hole? I mean, don't try. Well, you get some stuff stuck in there. Well, try hard enough. <laughs> this is terrible. This is terrible. Usually, one now. Usually, it's all the writing next to the. I gotta like click on it and what? What am I looking at? Next to the oh, logo, the there's like a game whole... ROG. Haven't you ever like you know applied uh, uh, like vinyl to your cloud. to your car? And so you've got to have everybody who ever touched your car. I'm getting my cast signed is what it looks like to oh, me. They, they sticker mod this thing oh, wait, so it does goes it faster. Say one two exactly. Yeah, that's five, what the speed is for. One two four seven. It's nine, Brembo five. PCIe slots. I think it's in parentheses. Twenty five point one two four seven nine point one two one point four seven one four seven. Put numbers there to put numbers there. And BIOS codes are getting annoying. That's going to get you a lot of extra horsepower. <laughs> it's a very important number you wouldn't understand. So oh. so if you win in e gaming, do you get contingency money? For having that on there, hopefully, <laughs> oh, probably not. Does yeah. that does that M.2 heatsink have an RGB LED in it? Kind of I mean, looks. Oh my sick. god! I mean, maybe. Yes. Finally, a maybe reason. it's a drive activity light. Think about it. I mean, oh, if that, that should be that actually be pretty cool. If that that's what it thing. is. It'd be cool. That'd be but pretty cool. It's probably not, but it would be pretty cool. Yeah, probably not. This is an impressive list of features on this uh, RGB. <laughs> I said already. Yeah. Asus Aura Sync, Full not just Aura GB. Yeah, well, that's true. Full PCIe by 16, an extra USB 3.0 header, two DIMMs, obviously. Not enough space for anything else in that, but you've got DIMM slots. That, yeah. Or two SATA, one NVMe. I can't, there's not a picture of the back. There's only one, in, one NVMe M.2 slot, right? Likely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, still, still pretty impressive. I know a lot of people That's love these compact. mini ITX boards. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, I know. Yeah, love it. That'll fill you up. Get that Strix brand, everything. Uh, here are some interesting rumors. Intel uh, apparently leaked, decided to leak themselves the eight-core Coffee Lake S processor. Ken, is that right? 
Yeah, so on the Intel Technical Documentation website, which I'm not sure why it publicly lists the available documents. That's a whole other thing, because sure. if you try to click to download the documents, you get transferred to an Intel login, as you would expect. But they started listing some Coffee Lake S8 Plus 2 documents, like the Processor Power Integrity Model document. Mm. Whatever the hell that is. You know, you got to have processor power, integrity. Yeah. This is this is good information for motherboard vendors to to why build. Is a, why is this listed on a public website? It's probably not supposed to be. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, it's for power delivery optimization. Yeah. Is what the, what the description. The other sort says. of interesting thing is if you look at the next screenshot, it mentions Coffee Lake as six plus two and eight plus two in these in the same document. So that kind of show like kind of mm. theory would be that there's going to be some level of compatibility there. Yeah, because we've heard rumors yeah. of a Z three ninety chipset, so. Hopefully, Z370 boards get an update. Do I assume that the plus two is the GPU configuration? Yeah. Okay. Correct. As far as I know. Got it. So, they, do you really think that's happening, Ken? Uh, if the eight what? core doesn't have a higher TDP, then I think it will happen. Mm. I think there's just I, so much. I think much. you're being optimistic. The question is, I, I think they've gotten so, so much shit about platform. it that they realize that they have to release a Z370 so you, update. So you, you've said in this post, Ken, that it seems likely these new processors will launch alongside a Z390 chipset or something yeah, like that, which right? Which has been heavily rumored and leaked yeah, for a as long well. time. Yeah. But I, I, I think we'll see Z370 compatibility. You Maybe think? it's just optimistic, mm. but... I, do, I don't share your optimism. Yeah. Are we ever going to get no. away from this new motherboard for every damn CPU thing? Like, what the heck is going on with this lately? Uh, Intel's well, loving it. Well, I mean, to be... To be frank, this is what happens when your roadmap gets disrupted. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Suddenly, you're, you're releasing things out of cadence than what you had planned to do. Mm. Right. And it forces you to do things you wouldn't normally do. And the qualifying things takes a lot of time. Right? Yeah. So, I, I understand it. <clears throat> you can blame AMD for it, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> there. <laughs> you can blame AMD for your Intel, Intel processor cadence being out, of, <laughs> being out of whack. So, Damn you, AMD. Being too fast uh, with your processor. Jeremy, tell me about this uh, post you have here linking to a TechSpot story. It's running Qualcomm as a snap with the HP NVX2. This is the uh, Qualcomm slash ARM-powered device uh, running Windows, right? Yep. With full uh, emulation, having no issues whatsoever. Right. Uh, which is, you know, in and of itself, a very impressive thing because the, the first go of armed powered laptops were, to say it was a disappointment is perhaps uh, understating just what mm. people experienced when they did it. Mm -hmm. And they, they ran through a bunch of tests, absolutely no problems playing any programs or games that they gave it a shot at. So, I mean, you've got great compatibility going on, which is technically impressive, but they went for a very odd form factor. So this thing is entirely metal, Gorilla Glass, Bang & Olufsen speakers, mm -hmm. and a price tag of $1,000. Yeah, it's pricey. Which, it, it's... That's it's too much you money. Know, it's twice as much as it should be. Yeah, I mean, even my expectations were kind of in the $700 range. Yeah. So, Yeah. But it's just sort of phone pricing um, and phone design, but blown up to a laptop. Yeah. It's pretty. It uh, is. Click through and look at the pictures, but it's it's an odd duck because you're looking at sort of a value performance in a, a, a golden case. It, it, it just, 
Yeah. I'm sure someone's going to buy it. It's just I'm not quite sure who. I mean, there's a premium here on the on the on the extended battery life. There's a premium on the connectivity, uh, but you are running in like core M3 kind of range performance levels. Yeah. Um, which, which yeah, the benchmarks do not. Uh, yeah, the turn bench, out well for the it. benchmarks are not good. Uh, like the performance benchmarks, application benchmarks are you know I would call them bad, especially in this TechSpot article. Um, now I would argue that doing video compression or video rendering on this type of you know core M devices, it's it's a it's a metric, right? Like it's worthwhile well, to have that bad testing because the XPSS thirteen actually did better. Well, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, it's on the battery. It's not. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But it's not yeah. really like you're not going to do a lot of video editing on your Core M3 device, <laughs> just like you're not going to do it on your on your on your Qualcomm Snapdragon device either. So. Been out here hitting on the receptionist for three hours. What the hell are you doing? Oh, I'm rendering. <laughs> it's just taking a while. <laughs> oh, is that the excuse you give? Okay, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. That's good. Microsoft apparently took a mulligan. It released a build to RTM, which, by the way, what's that stand for, Ken? Uh, ready to manufacture. Right, which used to be something they did when they stamped discs, I guess. Yeah. And now, apparently, it's meaningless. Because they <laughs> just recalled it, apparently. <laughs> so was this supposed to be RS4? Yeah. It was okay. supposed to be. Well, yeah. I don't think it got to the, like, it wasn't pushed, obviously. No, I think it was. It was only pushed to Insiders. Yeah. Oh, yes. okay. yeah, it was Insider ring got it. Yeah. And got it a lot of blue screens of death immediately afterwards. Yeah. Right. But by this time in the week, we would it was supposed to be like wide rollout for yeah. 1803 for RS4. Huh. So that would have been pushed out, but they delayed it. Interesting. Uh, and then they came out with, and well, this is rare, but they came out with another build, not adding any other features. It's just like a bug fix build. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Yeah, so it's, and it's only incremented by one digit. <laughs> this time the RTM has released this, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's on the fast ring now, supposedly. And nobody here was affected by that? No. 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 I saw a couple of people tweet out that they had blue screens and stuff, but and they didn't say like it, could you recover from ago. that? It wasn't like an epidemic. It was just higher occurrence well, of mean, blue screens. Yeah. Right. Um that happens when your QA department is the people. Yeah. Well, I mean <laughs> I mean in their yeah. in their defense, it was fast ring. You have to opt in. Like for, hey, I basically want to run betas, you know, sure. I mean, come on. But, but the, the would kind of your plan RTM releasing this wouldn't have now. a bug like this. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Alan, you have a little bit of quick news here on the Toshiba refreshing of its hard drive branding. Uh, <clears throat> Does yeah. this make it simpler for me? More simple? Uh, not if Are you're you colorblind? Uh, well, <laughs> no. okay. So they, so they added, <laughs> they added colors. G, have we ever seen this, anybody else do this before? Uh, colors for hard I drives? No, I haven't. Uh, and then, and then uh, their colors are completely different. And like they have a blue, but it's a video streaming drive. They have a Pretty. green, but it's a high-end surveillance drive. So it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, that's confusing. Yeah. Um, however, I want put that aside. I mean, all their stuff before was just a bunch of numbers. So it's like okay, at right. least at least they're making an effort to try to like you know make things clear. Okay, just like I just want a performance desk drive, desktop drive. I'll look for the one with the gray label on it, right? Like okay, um, but they did introduce two new models. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's so just the, complete rebranding. No, no, Got it's it. not. Um, 
So there is a video streaming specific device. This is supposed to be for like DVRs and like set-top boxes and that sort of thing. Um, only goes up to three terabytes. Uh, so not necessarily a huge drive, but the idea is it's really low power, really low heat production. Mm. So you put this in your fanless, you know, like, like again, a DVR, those things kind of tend to run hot already. Yep. Um, you don't you need to... cabinets and stuff. Yeah, you, put yeah. Them in ca you don't need a, a hard drive, you know, adding another bunch of heat to that. Um, so... Uh, that, that's, that's fine. Um, they have a, something we found interesting, uh, in their release was there is an annual workload rating of that drive of 72 terabytes per year. That's interesting. That doesn't uh, seem like a whole lot. Well, that's not bad if the drive is no more than three terabytes. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, how many times are you over, like in a DVR, how many times are you overwriting the entire, like, drive? You'd have to be recording... Every show possible that your DVR had tuners like continuously and lapping the thing constantly, right? Well, so, are, are you talking compressed video streaming or like 4K uncompressed YUV streaming? Oh, I mean, well, not you're to right, a hard drive. You're right there. But yeah, you probably yeah. would. Yeah, you probably wouldn't be writing that to a hard drive. But so, I don't have that much of an issue with the blue one. However, the green one is supposed to be a much higher end streaming recording type drive mm. uh this one is spec to be able to handle 64 simultaneous surveillance uh hd video streams watching you like that's that's a lot that's a lot of data coming yep. in and, and you know a lot of parallel streams so obviously there has to be firmware on the drive that can handle that without the drive just seeking endlessly trying to find you know trying to seek to all these different locations at the same time it kind of does what an ssd does and it's able to like remap where the sectors are. So, it, so the drive itself is writing more sequential while it has, you know, these parallel streams coming in that would actually normally look like a random, right? Okay. Um, so that's good and everything. Uh, available all the way up to 10 terabytes. It's designed for like arrays, like, you know, you could have a huge surveillance array, like RAID with a bunch of these drives in it, you know, because for 64 HD streams is going to kind of add up pretty quickly. So you need a lot of capacity there if you want to have any kind of historical record of all those streams. Um, so it's you know has How many a vibration are there in the church has vibration sensors <laughs> like what the <laughs> has vibration sensors built into it so they can handle having a lot of these in one chassis. In other words, you get you know harmonics and vibrations of all the drive spinning in the same yeah small enclosed space, right? So that's all very kind of enterprisey style features, uh, which is all great. But then. There is a workload rating of 150 terabytes per year in a, in a model that comes up to 10 terabytes of capacity. So huh. that's a problem. Yeah. Because once you get to the point where you start doing arrays, like and anybody that's properly maintaining an array, uh, like our array at the office, every two weeks, that thing scrubs the whole array front to back. It does a sequential read yeah. of all drives beginning to end, right? Uh, that workload, like that kind of standard practice setup that we did even in our office here, if we were using these drives, granted these are for video surveillance and we're using it for data storage, but like if we had those drives in there, we would be voiding their rating. Mm. Because if you read like 10 terabyte drive, if you read it every two weeks, that's more than 150 terabytes per year. So does the rating scale with the capacity? don't know. We don't have that information yet. That's but if they said the rating is 150 terabytes per year and it comes up, up to 10 terabytes, 
Right? Yeah, I'm just thinking like, like you could potentially be better off lower? getting the smaller drives in a bigger array because you yeah. could write them more times. That yes, <laughs> see, it's like it's really weird. And what was more confusing to me about that was like I was thinking maybe it's like sort of like how SSDs are, where it's based on how much writing you do. Yeah, but it's not. It's based on host activity. Oh, so reads, reads and writes. Reads and writes. That seems awful for surveillance. Uh, well, I mean, you could argue for surveillance. You're not necessarily reading the stuff back all the you time. You might have a monitor with four cameras displaying all the time that's going through the IP system. But that's you're, not scrubbed off the drive. Yeah, I mean, it should just be getting the streams as it comes across. My I point mean, is, you're probably not reading it back that much, aside from arrays that are doing uh, consistency checking, like, yeah. you know, parity checking and mm -hmm. stuff. Because you want to make sure when you do want to get your video that one of your drives hasn't had some bad sectors or something. That's why you scrub data, right? Because if it's just constantly recording video streams, if you never go back and try to read it ever, it might not be there. <laughs> if you waited, <laughs> if you waited like four or five years or something, yeah. it, you know there yeah. could have been a bunch of bad sectors by that point. Uh, that's why you scrub arrays. So yeah, that that rating seems weird to me. Uh, I haven't seen that kind of a rating on anything. Like, why would you? Why would you suddenly mean like you can only do this so much? That's a that's a thing for SSDs because you know you're wearing the thing out. Hard drives it's like one of the advantages hard drives have. Yeah, like hard drives, you're supposed to be able to rewrite them bunches of times and read them like almost indefinitely over and over again yep. without without issue, right? Yeah. So interesting points there. Uh, mm. Pricing, they're competitive. Um, pretty competitive actually. Ten terabytes for three hundred fifty bucks. Remember, again, it's a video surveillance workload-specific drive. Don't go installing Windows to this thing. <laughs> it's not going to behave nicely. I, I know you say well, that 10 terabytes... I watch things through my Windows. 10 terabyte <laughs> drives for 349 is is reasonably priced. And it's, I believe it's decent. you. And I believe you. Yeah. However, having just had a discussion with somebody in this office about purchasing six 12 terabyte uh -huh. WD Golds... How much were they? I uh, was... With a with a significant discount like twenty two hundred dollars for the hard drives, or six of them, and I was like, "Holy gee!" Like, it never occurred to me like to fill a RAID array, to fill a NAS. Uh -huh. You got to spend thousands of dollars if you want like that kind of capacity. Well, yeah. we, spent that, we spent that filling mm -hmm. that array. Yeah, well, it felt like we were getting one over because we bought drives, shut them, drives, right? <laughs> and that was a deal. Like we yeah. got a deal at the time. And it was still a lot of money. I mean, that yeah. adds up when you got to buy sixteen of them. Sixteen and one hundred fifty bucks a pop. Yeah, so just yep. yeah. As a hard saying, drives are supposed to be cheap. I don't. No, no, no. Hard drives are cheap, but storage is not. Yeah, <laughs> sure, fair. Yeah, but my expectations were hard drives were cheap. Therefore, the idea of spending two thousand dollars on hard drives is impossible. <laughs> and apparently, that's not the case. Because you need a bunch. It adds apparently, up. Apparently, you, it's not the case. When you multiply them. So, there you go. Yeah. All right. Interesting stuff. Uh, one last thing. All, speaking of storage again, Western yep. Digital launched the Ultrastar DC, which I think stands for Data Center, yep. HC530, which stands for I don't know. Uh, Neither do I. TDMR, I don't know what that stands for. Two-dimensional magnetic recording. Okay. Oh, it's not that 3D hard drive? <laughs> yeah, no, no. We're not there yet. 14 terabyte hard drive. Two-dimensional is such a weird uh, thing to... You know, like think. X and Y. The HC probably stands for high capacity. What, uh, What's yeah. the 530 stand for, though? Uh, I mean, yeah, but the 530 doesn't... <laughs> I don't think it corresponds with It was with the time like in which anything. the branding was finalized. Yeah. You know, if only those, those drives could float. <laughs> 
yeah. So the two-dimensional magnetic recording thing, that's a concept where uh, you remember the... Um, a Kenwood? I thought TDMR meant was too dumb, mustn't read. Do you remember the Kenwood optical drive? God, we talk oh, about yeah. this once every quarter on this the podcast. True X, <laughs> yeah. The True we X forget that one. CD-ROM <laughs> drive, right? Uh, that drive had a bunch of... Uh, it could split the beam into seven tracks. The idea is it could read seven tracks at once. Uh, TDMR does something kind of sort of the same, except it has multiple heads trying to read the same track. Yeah. So the idea is if the head's a slightly off or if the track is super narrow, because we keep writing narrower and narrow tracks trying to get density higher and higher, right? Uh, it's harder to lock in. And also it helps if you had a second track slightly offset. helps like increase your signal noise ratio for you're actually trying to read this extremely minute, uh, you know, magnetic fields now, mm -hmm. like really tiny domains. Um, anyway, so it's just another one of those tricks they use to, make Interesting. the density higher, right? Um, other than that, they're just kind of like your standard... Uh, this is the equivalent of like an RE that Washington Digital used to make. Like, right. you know, your enterprise grade, you know, what's, what's now gold, but now this is sort of like a next step above even their gold drives. Um, you know, and here I remember 128 meg buffer being huge. Yeah, this is 512. Mm -hmm. um, 512. <laughs> yeah, so half a gig buffer. So I think that's um, the first time we've seen hard drive used to be that big. That's the first time we've seen 512, right? That's the first time we've seen 512. We saw 256 in the newer version of the of the, of the Reds. 8 terabyte Reds. And, and then there was 128 in the ones that we have in our array, yeah. the slightly older style. Um, you know, design. Um, but yeah, pretty big, pretty big buffer, 7,200 RPM drives, uh, you know, seek times is, it's, it's a hard drive, like hard drive seek times. Um, but notice the sequential transfer rate rating, 267 meg per second. Now granted that's, they didn't say it, but it's the start of the disk, right? Because hard drives slow down as you get to the end mm -hmm. uh, of the area. That's faster than three gigabit SATA. Huh. So now hard drives are finally faster than like that middle generation SATA, SATA, two. SATA two, right? Um, <laughs> but only on the inside. But only on the inside. Only at the beginning. Initial J microns with the uh, with the stuttering. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that's imp just impressive <laughs> to note that like, hey, that's pretty fast in a straight line, right? Um, you know, uh, we don't have we don't have pricing, but they're sampling like huge. You know, this is for like your crazy cloud providers that just have insane amounts of storage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not 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 using shingle magnetic tricks, not using MAMR yet, that uh, microwave assisted. So what do you th think? Uh, well, just end of the year we see consumer drives, maybe at least golds. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. This I'll is really this is really like, going to be eight ninety nine though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I still have yeah. not filled up my four terabyte game drive yet. Sounds like you should get a better internet connection. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in Wyoming. Come on. Josh, four terabyte, I mean, your game drive, you can queue five or six things on Steam and it'll fill that thing up, man. Come on. I must be playing the wrong games. Yeah, yeah, you're playing the wrong games. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... Custer's you know, Revenge is, is only 32K. Good to see 14 terabytes <laughs> in a... Parallel magnetic. Worth every single bite of it, too. Josh exactly. Still playing, Josh is still playing Commander Keen. Oh. 
Um, All right. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. No, let's, let's do it. Picks of the week. Here we go. Uh, so over this past week, my wife is my wife and daughter were in Florida uh, on, on at the beach without me. I don't know what that says about me, but take it for what you will. Uh, but however, I use this opportunity of free time to completely replace the entertainment center, replace the TV, uh, redo all the stuff. Right. Yeah. So finally implementing, getting rid of oh, cable, yeah. Yeah, getting TV, rid of all that. The TV that's been over the TV's there. TV has been over there for a while is now gone. <gasps> a year. Wasn't it? It's like a year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, we have more room now. Well, the I mean, box, it was a very thin the, TV. The box for the TV is still here, I noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. need to get rid of that box. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you get rid of that box later. We got to save the box. But anyway, so as part of it, um, we were putting things behind cabinet doors as opposed to being out in the open. So we were using IR blasters and repeaters and stuff. And so I had I, my, my universal remote that I've been using was a Logitech Harmony 880 that I legitimately can tell you that I purchased in 2002. Yeah, that was an old, right? old remote. Maybe 2003. So a nice it's, remote. It's a, four, it's a 14 or 15-year-old remote yeah uh and the display was finally it was display was fading it was hard to see anything on it mm. whatever didn't matter but uh i decided okay we're upgrading everything else let's upgrade this too so i looked it up and the, the latest harmony is the elite uh which is a remote control with a hub and you know it works on your phone as well so mm -hmm. this is the idea now is uh actually the remote doesn't even talk to the hub through ir it's all wi-fi right so you don't I, I actually think I'm going to love this because my wife is horrible about like in the old harmony, she'd hit the button for like watch TV and then set it on the couch facing the wrong way oh, so yeah. that like half of the IR signals didn't <laughs> yeah, make it to yeah, the yeah. devices they're supposed to make it. So only now half the stuff would turn on. Now it doesn't matter because she can hit the watch TV button on it yeah. and it doesn't the Wi-Fi. Hub, the hub does the, everything. The hub and the IR uh, transmitters the IR that, you, that you can place in, inside the units. Yeah. Um, Take care, yeah. take care of all that for you. I think you. there's two jacks in the back of the hub that yeah. for two, yeah. two wire yeah. blasters. Yeah. And they're and they're uh, pretty wide yeah. angle. Mm -hmm. And the hub itself blasts out the IR too. Yep. So if the hub is like sitting just in front of your TV, you don't have to have one sitting in front of your TV, and for it, example. And, and it's it's actually so powerful that anytime, like I have had, not this version, but I've had the one with the keyboard. Yeah. Right? Um, same hub though. That hub is like, up against my wall, the same wall that the TV is flush mounted on. Yeah. So the way that the TV actually sees the IR is because th that hub is lighting up the whole room. <laughs> yeah. And it's basically bouncing off like of everything see, else. Like an IR camera shot of what that does. Just how <laughs> just how how big flashing it is. the room basically. Um, yeah, a, you can you can bring in a uh, what a pit viper and uh, see how he reacts to all that. Why do you know this? Yeah. Why why they see pit an IR because they they see an infrared. Okay. They've got two little sensors on their nose. Yeah, they're called pits. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now this is this is an expensive system. Uh, I think the retail price is three forty nine. I went to Best Buy yesterday and it was on sale for two forty nine. Mm -hmm. um, so I picked it up there. I, I went through the setup process. It's a little bit clunky in the setup process. I'm using the control shield, Denon receiver, the LG TV. Uh, I connect it to my Nest so I can control the thermostat that way. Although, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> The future, but it will control. When you lose it, can you ask it where it is and it'll tell you? No, no, oh, no, no. but you can just shout at Alexa and it'll do all the stuff. That's true. You heard Fair enough. True. Yeah, yeah. So, does it matter if you lose your remote? No, because you can use the app on your phone and it will do all the same stuff, right? It'll, it, you set up all the same activities and all that. Time. So, that way. so, quick story the Echo heard us today, like saying not 
not the word, but it still hurt us. And then it responded and we did our typical, no, no, no. And then, and then she comes back and says more stuff, which usually doesn't happen, but she goes, sorry, I could not find no, no in the context. <laughs> it was yeah. like, like, yeah, that's, if you say no, no, we probably don't want you to talk to us anymore. My name, anyway. <laughs> so I, I, overall, I think I, I literally, I just, I've had it 20 hours or something like that. Um, but the, the setup was not perfect, but better yeah. than what I had to deal with with the Logitech 880 and this legacy website and you had to download this Java-based app yeah. and it was it was rough. The only well. thing I don't like about it now is it relies on their servers. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's how it does the syncing between like the changes you make on the phone and sending it sending down it to, the to the hub. hub. Yeah. yeah, so the hub has and to pull And one day their certificate will expire and it will be bricked. Yeah, like, like so the hub, the hub has to pull one. its config from Logitech. Are you telling me the likelihood of me having this remote for the next 15 years is minimal? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, well, I mean, if, if they discontinue it, then they're going to piss a lot of people off. But, you know. You know, ask ask your buddy. You've done Jash. it before. Science. Yeah. Science. Yeah. I don't think Plus it has a G logo on it. That's true. He's the gaming guy. And I think you can That's actually. True. I think you can actually add the keyboard to that one in the future if you wanted to. Um, I don't know. I, I know that when it connects to the shield, it connects through Bluetooth and it's emulating a keyboard. Yeah. So. That's how it connects to pretty much. Like it'll like connect to an PC Apple. It'll do an Apple TV the same way. Got it. Yeah. And it'll connect to a ton of stuff. You know, I'm still trying to figure out how 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 perfect I can it, get it. It's very flexible. And even uh, at one point, I had a Samsung television that had an HDMI three uh, input. But like, even looking like looking my model up on their app, mm -hmm. it didn't. Have, it only had HDMI one and two, and I wanted to be able to switch directly to three. And I just like emailed their support, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, we looked it up. We added it to your profile." Hmm. They just like added the the button. That's pretty cool, right? So that's pretty cool. Which and you can't you can't program it the old way, right? Where you, you can can't like point another yeah, remote at. Yeah. Like you have to get it. It from defaults them. to this never using infrared. Yeah, yeah. So you can change it, but it you defaults can. that way. Yeah. All right, so that's mine. I'll give you some more updates on that as uh, as we go through the the days and weeks. I'm waiting for my wife to get home tomorrow night to to judge the. Did I get the home theater set up to an easy enough state where she's uh, comfortable? Wife, wife acceptance factor. Buy, yeah. buy Planet Earth 2 on Blu-ray and pop that in and have it playing. When she comes, when she comes in, she'll be like, oh my God, that looks amazing on That's that a, OLED set. It's a True. wonderful there idea. But now there's Perfect. a sacrifice. The remote and the way yeah. you watch TV is different. Yeah, you yeah. can go to that later. Yeah. Uh, Alan, I think you're up next. Uh, so I, uh, I think I, I picked these guys past uh, 400000 on their Kickstarter. Uh, like a week ago, you did four hundred thousand dollars. No, Jesus! Uh, wow. I just happen to be the I just happen to be the guy that. Oh, like, I see. You know, yeah. Anyway, um, missed twenty fifth anniversary collection. So I actually own all of these games. I have purchased them. I have like the boxes for every single one of these mm -hmm, games. Mm -hmm. However, I can't play all these games unlike modern stuff anymore because sure. some of this goes way back, right? Um, even if I had, you know, some of the some of the ones I had before were already remasters, but they were remasters ten years ago, right? So like, you know, it's kind of tricky you to make to that get stuff deep with DOSBox if you wanted to run this stuff. Yes, <laughs> yeah, for really deep. Um, so uh, they are. It's a seven game collection that if you go for the bottom tier of the Kickstarter, it's fifty bucks. Fifty bucks for all seven missed games. Uh, that's a lot of playtime for fifty bucks. And a lot of like puzzles and content and right. stuff. It's that's a deal. Um, okay. Do Do you remember the excitement when Real Mist came yeah. out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
It was like, wow, it looks like all the pre-rendered stuff from Mist doesn't look spectacular. Look at it. It's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now now the, well, now the pre-rendered stuff still holds up because I mean, that was like, is this real Mist that I'm seeing right now? No, 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 no. That's uh, that's Ribbon. Okay. Um, that's actually just one of the cutscene videos in Riven. The big deal with the uh, Riven was like that they actually had video transitions. Ah, uh, okay. Right. Was it, it just fades? Yeah. But going through all these games is kind of like a walk through like the progress of just man gaming, right? <laughs> just like, you know, you have the original Mist, which there was really not any animation at all, except for looking in the little box video animation of a book that's open on, right. a, on a thing, right? Which was like barely anything on the screen. And at the time, that was still filling up the whole CD-ROM that that game came on. Which And that was another big deal, right? Wasn't that like one of the first CD-ROM games or something? You know? I think so. Yeah. So you go from that and you can, as you get, as you progress through these different titles, you're progressing through like the games got, the just the game engines got more and more advanced and the graphics got better and better and stuff like that. Um, but it's all the same kind of, you know, universe right. of, you know, yeah. all, all these things. Right. Um, however, they do have higher so tiers. Um, and, uh, they will give you like, it's like, uh, for another hundred bucks, you get like a missed book box. Like there's DVDs of the game. Not, I don't know who a Josh can install via DVD basically. Um, yeah. But you'll get digital downloads and like the physical versions of the games, but they come in a mist book box. It's like a recreation of the mist book. Like the, you know, okay, you know, yeah. and then uh, if you pledge some more, uh, that book will have a built in computer <laughs> with an LCD screen. Raspberry Pi. And it will and when you open the book, it will have the animations <laughs> of where cool. the places where you were gonna link to. Sure. Looping. Yeah. Right? All right. Um so this is what you spent four hundred thousand dollars on? It, yep. <laughs> yeah. It was a really expensive <laughs> mist book. Really, really expensive. Um and then if you want to and then if you want to go super crazy, like there's you know, you get like I don't. Yeah, I mean, there's crazy high tiers where you're getting objects that they made that are actual objects from within the, the game, and they're actually, like, making them and, and sending them to you. Um, anyway, okay. it's cool if you're, a fan of the, if you're a fan of the series and if you're a guy like me that, you know, had already owned these things for, like, decades. Why not buy them again? Uh, I, this, this, to me, is worth it. Like, mm-hmm. I'll spend 50 bucks to be able to play all these things and have them supported on like, Windows 10 and modern hardware. Yeah. Jeremy, what do you got for me? Well, uh, today's episode in Baffling Text was uh, a McAfee engineer who finally broke down and said, well, shit, I've never seen that before in encryption. Uh, But (laughs) as part of that, I I had to make a a brand new uh, encryption recovery disk and, Mm -hmm. of course, just loaded up Rufus and away I went and did it and suddenly realized we've never actually mentioned Rufus as a pick on the podcast. I made it a pick like years ago. I searched and it wasn't there. Huh. I, I'm telling you, I know I did it as a pick. Nah, I had to. Well, I trust Jeremy. It, it must have been one of them lost episodes. Maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's just one of those tools you never think about telling anyone about because you've been using it for damn ever. And it's just small and innocuous. And one of the best ways to make a, a bloody boot disk of any description from an ISO or just about anything else you want. Yeah. Remember I, how awful this used to be? Like, oh, oh it's Windows boot floppy and format your USB drive in a special way. God. 
Yeah. Such a steaming pile of crap. And then like used Rufus was like the first was really for. easy to use tool for any ISO. You used to have to use wind <laughs> image. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's actually uh, ghostery, uh, like all the crap we've gone through over the years <laughs> dealing with images. This is just friggin' easy. And this tool is—it's also very creative for just make a like a DOS bootable USB drive. Yeah. Yep. Like you want to do firmware updates from the command prompt? Just do, you don't even need None. you don't even need the image. You just like fire up this tool and it, it has like the. Um, I forget Ooh. what version. It's not Microsoft. It's, it's free DOS, I think. I it's remember like having to like fly the 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 boot drive to it though. You like, don't have to do that anymore. I know, but I like you used to. I used to download some this or something like this. And be like, oh, no, I gotta go someplace and find like yeah. an yeah. MS DOS image yep. with which to point it to. Please, Lord, just make this an easy one step process. Yeah, <laughs> good. And, and now it, it is. It has been for select, a long time. Finally, you disk know. one create partition primary select. Partition oh, one God. active. Yeah, you're Done. giving me PTSD. Stop. <laughs> Jesus. And it's actually like smart enough to look like if you're writing a Linux ISO, it's smart enough to like look in and figure out like incom potential incompatibilities with like the kernel yep. version it's using and stuff like that. And yeah. just like grab the right stuff and be like, okay, there you go. Done. Now does yeah. does this do the the hybrid GPT and MBT? Yes. It can. Oh okay. yeah. That yeah. stuff is magic. <laughs> but if you want it takes you a couple um, of clicks, but but if you want a uh, UEFI specific install, yeah, there's a drop down. You actually have to choose like yeah, choose. G GPT UEFI only. Yeah, it's like right. the Dude, bottom it's all option. PFM. It's all PFM to me. Yeah, but the <laughs> the uh, but it will do MVR for for you know either one. Right, but there, there's there's some new stuff with I don't know how new it is. I know with the, the Debian Live Boot system, uh, it will build you a image that is it has an MVR. Yeah, a standard DOS boot label, right, or disk label. It also has a GPT file system or yeah. partition table on it. Yeah, and the MBR indexes the first partition into the actual GPT oh. ISO image. So okay. they're pointing them at the same place. They yeah. point at the same place, so it'll boot on modern and legacy devices yeah. at the same time. I think this will do that trick. However, if you put a Windows installer ISO on there and you want an a UEFI. Yeah, I, I don't think that works with Windows. Or if you want a specific, you wanted to make a GPT partition from within Windows setup, mm -hmm. right? You have to force it to yeah. do only yeah. the GPT mode. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's something like the Windows installer sees how it booted. Right. Like, and, you know, yeah, yeah it's, that, it's one of those tricks. That, that uh, trick if you're really lucky works enough, for... you can just disable all that in your motherboard so it's not even an option. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. away you go. Anyway, yeah, that's a great, that's mm -hmm. a great tool. Josh, last, maybe least, we'll see. Least is certainly a given when it comes to dealing with me. Mm -hmm. Least amount of hair, least amount of personality. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're not telling me anything. Shall though. we go on? Let's go with the pick. Okay. You know, it's <laughs> funny. I, you know, I picked this before I realized that we were actually going to talk about it. We've been looking for a good competitor for the 960 Evo and 960 Pro, and we finally have it. They're on sale, and they're actually slightly below MSRP, the WD Black. The 500 gig, I believe, or 512. I mean, that's, you know, 229 is, no, wait, wait, what? 160. Scroll over to the, oh, for the 256. Oh, oh you're, that's you're 512. Not the 512. How much is it? Scroll over you, there. What do you want to I can't, I can't. It's 169. Which one do you want? Okay, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm really confused. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 256 no, wow. is 
these are inexpensive drives. Now, this is the first generation. It's not the one that Alan talked about. Yeah. I, I got confused. Uh, but still, for that price, they're pretty good Although little I, I, will, I will say this new iG listing is awfully confusing. Yeah, what's the new one called? The Western Digital WD Black, which That's is... That's printed on the label of this SSD. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you pick the yeah. 2D one. <laughs> not the 3D one. Yeah, so God. this... this uh, you know, just the label points, looks clearly different. This so just buy points the out. Sandisk one, so you know which one you're getting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not for sale yet. This points out the confusion we were talking about earlier. That's ridiculous. I'm so confused. It's strange because you know I'm looking at the one that I looked at, mm-hmm. and it's the 500 gig NVMe for 229. That should be the newer one. Yeah, yeah. Well, because Western Digital is spelled out, what... and then WD Black. <laughs> I mean, I know, let me put I know. the link it's just, it's the, just of the one that I am looking at in our little uh, well, Ryan chatter. Clicked your link. I clicked the link. Yeah, I clicked the link. I can't click that one from where I'm at anyway. Okay, sure. What am I looking at here? This is a DVD Black NVMe two twenty two eighty five hundred gig two twenty nine. So why would I yeah, want that one? It's forty dollars more, sixty dollars more. Yeah, but it's the it's much faster one. one. The oh, new, yeah, it's and the new one. Oh, I see. Okay. The one we just talked Got about. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I'll do a, a good search for it. I'm sure I'll find it. <laughs> sure you will. And speaking of, you know, stumping the McAfee, uh, don't use uh, a Chronos True Image that comes with your Western Digital SSD on an encrypted hard drive. Letters? It well, goes badly. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't. Those tools, those cloning tools, generally don't uh, work. Show right this. On. Show this for me. I just searched Western Digital WD Black. Uh huh. Yeah, let's see. I guess some hard drives. You're getting the hard drives. Type type so in NVMe afterwards. No, I'm, this is fun. Oh, yeah. Don't wait. Hold on. We're getting close. Oh, Here it is. That, oh, uh, Which one oh, is? Oh, that's the old one. No, this is it. That's the new. The new. All new. So you want an easier way oh, wait, to figure? Oh, right here. 2D NAND, 3D NAND. Right. 3D NAND. button. You want a slightly easier way? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, these are under the same SKUs for the 2D and the 3D versions. Yeah, you are yeah, correct, yeah. sir. Well, I mean, it does differentiate it. Well, no, but no, how many people know what the hell that means? Here's the thing: if it's a 512 gig model, it's the old one. Yeah, yeah. If it's a it's 500, 500 gig model, it's the new one. Yeah, I got it. Right? It's you know all new. Anyway, if only we could have Alex oh, come in, and every time we have a new product come in, just comes in and says. The all new. The all new. Yeah. <sighs> Look at that fancy video. That fancy. Is fancy. It's built for, for greatness. greatness. Wow. Built for greatness. All right. That. That's it. We're done. I'm done. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. PCPro.com slash podcast. The URL we can get to, you can go to for show notes, links, all the stories we discussed, et cetera. Obviously, you want to go to joshtech.com and order your and Josh buy. Tech t-shirt. Pull out your wallets. And, and other with Josh Walrus on it or your mug. Uh, oh, and uh, we did get two more uh, Patreons in here. Uh, it's not the same without Josh Walrus. My name is Clay. Is a new patron who pledged $3. <laughs> like it. Thank you, Clay. And then this one. Um, <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, boy. It's the end of the show, right? Nobody listens this far in. Oh, God. No. I just didn't come for me. Darth Malventano says, 
Spit it out. I I hear Ryan craves tickle pickles. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, uh, it's a pledge for five dollars. So uh, I said that out loud for five dollars, everybody. Penny. That was that was worth it. Worth it. That was worth it. I had to drink some more of this bourbon. Anyway, like I said, pcpro.com slash podcast. Thanks everybody for joining us. We'll be back next week. Thanks everyone. Bye. <laughs>